dear listeners, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's just gone six o'clock. It's Wednesday, the 26th of September. Lots of stuff on the show today, and stuff that I know you're going to want to have your say on. So get ready, get, get a pen and paper. I'll give out the phone numbers and the bits and pieces in a second. But first of all, more foster parents are needed in Bucks. Do you foster? And if so, why? What do you get from it? Well-off pensioners should be stripped of their benefits, says Nick Clegg. I agree. Do you? And a parent blogger has openly admitted he likes his eldest son more than his youngest. Do you favour one child over the other? Be honest. I won't judge you, but I'm keen to hear your story. You can get in touch in several ways. You can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or, and this is the way I'd rather you did it, you can give me a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, imagine the simple pleasures of being young, going to the park, having an ice cream, or even a trip to the pictures. I believe they call it the cinema these days. Now, imagine trying to do that when you're in the care of local authorities. In Bucks alone, the number of children without fosterers is almost 400. Linda and Ray Barker already have five children of their own. They also foster directly for Buckinghamshire County Council. Obviously with newborns there's there's being up in the night and and obviously some babies need more care than other babies. Um, But the rewards are just immeasurable really. It's fulfilled everything I wanted really. I mean our kids love it as well. I think they get a lot out of it. Uh, And they're proud. They, They tell people we foster care. Cabinet Member for Children's Services at Buckinghamshire County Council, Valerie Letheran, told BBC Three Counties Radio why more local foster carers are needed. I just want more and more of our own Bucks community to look after our Buckinghamshire children. It's better for the children um, because they can be near to their families, they're in a familiar surrounding, and generally speaking, it's cheaper for us, of course, because we don't have to pay the huge agency fees. In March, the County Council increased the amount it paid to foster carers from £200 and £300 per child per week. Today, a new campaign, My Best Days, is being launched to find more foster carers. It tells the stories of different children and what it means to them to be able to do the simple things in life which many kids take for granted. Director of uh, Children and Young People for Buckinghamshire County Council is Sue Imbriano. She joins me on the line now. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. Now, Sue, back in March, we spoke to Cabinet Member for Children's Services at Buckinghamshire County Council, Valerie Letheran. She told us about the desperate need for foster carers. You're relaunching the campaign today. Does that mean that the previous launch didn't work? Not at all, Ian. It means that we're still looking for increasing numbers. The numbers of our young children uh, have increased in terms of children needing care, but we're also looking to attract people who might have ruled themselves out. And if anything, one of my messages would be there is no single type of person who is better for foster caring, and we'd urge people to contact us to look at the possibilities. And we're looking for a range of foster carers. There are different ways to foster. It can be long-term short term perhaps to offer some respite care if a family has a child with a disability. We're looking for foster carers who'd be interested in caring for brother and sister groups and indeed foster carers from a range of ethnic backgrounds. So it's not that it didn't work but we're always looking for more people and this is an opportunity to get involved. Is it kind of a a target group that you're aiming this at Sue? I mean is it it kind of middle class married couples? Can single people foster? What's the criteria? 
absolutely not a single criterion or a set of criteria. What we're saying to people is, if you've thought of this, or indeed if you haven't, and this campaign provokes that thought in you, talk to us. Don't automatically rule yourselves out. We have foster carers from a range of different backgrounds, range of different circumstances, and we will work with you to see whether, indeed, it would be the right thing for you and the right thing for our children. How many foster carers have you got in Buckinghamshire at the moment? We've got about 110 households caring for 140 of our children at the moment, Ian. And how many kids have you kind of got that need care? Well, we've got about 390 at the moment in foster care. And as I say, more and more children are uh, in that position. And the really important point for us is we want to place children locally with local families because in that way we can avoid further disruption to the lives of children. And these are children who have had quite significant disruption in their early lives. So if we can find more people in Bucks, it means that we don't have to place children outside. It means they're able to maintain their school place if they're at school. They can keep their friendship groups. And if appropriate, they've got easier contact with their birth families. This campaign is slightly different, isn't it? Because you're looking at foster care from the child's point of view. Absolutely. And uh, anyone who's interested, if they look at our website or indeed listen to some of the uh, advertisements, I think they cannot fail but be moved by what young children are saying. The difference of being in that stable, supportive environment makes to their lives. And in particular, we've picked up on what what children are telling us about some of the very small things that make the biggest difference to them. Obviously, it's important for the, for the children, but I would imagine uh, that the people, the, the foster parents, get an enormous amount out of it as well, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, we just heard from Linda and Ray, and we meet regularly with foster carers, and the stories they tell us about the rewards they get from working with us, because we see this as a partnership, and for caring for children, are just immeasurable. Sue, what's the website if people want to come and have a look? If you go on to fostering at buckscc.gov.uk, I'll repeat that again, fostering at buckscc.gov.uk, or indeed, Ian, if I may, there's a phone number. Yes, uh, yes have that, yes. 0800 160 Then there's plenty of information and people ready to talk you through what it entails, and we really would encourage anyone at all to contact us and let's have that discussion. Sue, best of luck. Sounds like a fantastic campaign. Thank you very much. That's Sue and Brianna there, who is Director of Children and Young People for Buckinghamshire County Council. I think she gave out the email address there. So drop them a line, uh, have a chat, and uh, it, it could be an exciting thing. Uh, and if you do decide to get involved, let us know. We'll be talking more about this throughout the show. Oh, this is my mum's favourite song. It's nice, this. Come on, Dr Hook! I love it. Listen, I, uh, whoa, I know it's not hip to admit you like Dr. Hook, but fair play, they're brilliant. We should get Dennis on one day. I love it. Let's get him in. Let's get him in. He's good. Uh, right, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, plenty coming up on the show this morning. Love to hear your stories uh, about fostering. And also, we'll be talking later on about pensions uh, and benefits for uh, older people. Because Nick Clegg has come out and said at the Lib Dem Party Conference, and I thought I'd never agree with anything Nick Clegg said again, but... He's come out and said that if you're a wealthy pensioner, then you shouldn't get your benefits. You shouldn't get the uh, heating allowance. You shouldn't get your free bus pass. I'd go a bit further and say you shouldn't get your state pension. If you're wealthy, do you need it? 
You've got your own independent wealth. And I'm not talking, you know, you've got cash. You've not just got it all invested in a house or something. If you've got cash in a bank, then why should you get that money? Surely it should be given to those pensioners who need it more. We'll be talking as well to, uh, about pensions later on. Have you planned for your pension? Have you got anything in the bank? It does seem odd uh, that, that a lot of us depend on the state when it comes to pensions. Surely we should all be responsible for our own futures when we get older, shouldn't we? Are you contributing to a pension? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. It's 6.15, it's Wednesday the 26th of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Clegg is suggesting tackling the deficit by stripping wealthy pensioners of universal benefits like free bus passes and winter fuel payments before the next general election. Buckinghamshire County Council are launching a new campaign to recruit 390 foster carers. In sport, Milton Keynes Dons are out of the League Cup after losing 2-0 to Sunderland at Stadium MK. We'll have a full weather bulletin in a few minutes and coming up before 6.30, we'll hear your reactions to Nick's, Nick Clegg's proposals that better off pensioners should be stripped of their taxpayer-funded benefits. It makes sense, doesn't it? 08459 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rod Stewart, downtown train. Rod Stewart has been my earworm for the last four days. You know when you get a song that's just constantly in your head and you can't get rid of it? I've had that, you're in my heart, you're in my soul, and now I've said it out loud, I'm going to have it again, just constantly going around. I've woken up singing it. And the thing is, I don't particularly like it. It's, it's quite a nice song, but then there's that awful line about you're Celtic, you're United, but you're the best football team I've ever seen, or something. And that's the bit that's just been going round and around like a little earworm in my brain. Ay, thanks very much, Rod Stewart, for that. October the 5th. Very important date. Beatles Day. Uh, on BBC Three Counties Radio. We're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the release of the first Beatles song, uh, Love Me Do. So we need to know your memories of them Beatles. Uh, did you meet them? Did you go and see them in concert? Did you just buy their records? 08459 555 Probably better if you email us. And if you put in the subject Beatles Day, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Uh, and send us your memories of the Beatles. Now, better-off pensioners should be stripped of their taxpayer-funded benefits, says Nick Clegg. And you know what? I agree with him. I also think that we should be more responsible for our own pensions and not rely on the state. How ready are you, or were you, for your retirement? Our reporter Sophie Solaria has been to find out. I don't have any pensions. I was a self-employed builder and it just didn't get into the pension thing. Does this worry you about your future? Are you concerned? I'd have to sell my house, I think. So you're relying on your house? Yes. So where would you live then? I'd have to downsize, if anything, you know. So you're basically seeing your home as a pension? Never meant to, but that's the way it's going to turn out, I think. I have an inheritance which I just received, you know, and there's certain things that are going to come my way, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's too late for me, you know, I'm, uh, I hit 60 last week, so that's me now, I think. There's not much chance for me to get into a pension or anything now, is there? No, I haven't got a pension, no. You're 27 and you've not thought about a pension. No. Why is that? Because I haven't properly settled down yet, I don't think. Because I had my son and then jobs was a bit more, like, all over the place, so I haven't really 
once I've like properly secured everything, I think then that'll be the next thing. The money you get out is a load of rubbish because they're printing so much money, it's not going to be worth anything. So do you have a pension, sir? I do, but it's what I thought it would be was great, but at the end of the day, it's now rubbish. So if you look back to your times when you started your pension in your 20s or 30s, do you regret what you've Yes, done? yes. What would you do differently? I'd have bought gold, I'd have bought property, I'd have bought gold coins, anything. Better than the money, because yeah. would have gone up like, God knows what percentage. Two, three, four hundred percent. Whereas your pension, you just get a few percent. It's nothing. I haven't really thought about it, to be honest. Why is that? just haven't really got that far. I haven't got a job yet, so then I'll think about other stuff and family and stuff. But not yet. Pensions are very far yeah. down the list. Yeah, big time. There's too many other things to pay yeah, for. Basically, yeah. I don't have a pension, though. I haven't got one. There was one offered at my job um, about eight or nine years ago, um, but it wasn't a particularly good offer, so I didn't go for it. But it's something I've been looking at doing. So how old are you now? I'm 38. Why did you leave it this late? Well, everybody I spoke to have said pensions are, you know, maybe you're better off investing in, in something else or putting it into a different way because there's all the ways the risk that you might not get the payback out. But it is something I need to do. <laughs> Look into some sort of, you know, investment, really. Well, more fool you. I once interviewed Duncan Bannatyne, you know, the um, swarthy Scottish dragon, um, who's recently acquired a full thick head of hair. Looks like Ray Reardon now. Uh, and I said to him, pension? Duncan, should I be putting money in a pension? And he said, no, I won't do the accent. He said, no, put it all in property. Go, pay, off, pay off your mortgage. And then start thinking about a pension. Uh, I have got a pension. Uh, I've not paid anything into it this year. Been a quiet year. Uh, but I have paid money into it. And surely, surely the pension is your responsibility. Just think about it. It's your future. You shouldn't be dependent on the state pension. It's not very much money anyway. So it's your responsibility to invest in your future. Why should we expect the government to look after us? When we get older, why? I know people find it say, oh, well, I'm paying my taxes. Well, yeah, and your taxes go to some fantastic things like the NHS, loads of other bits and pieces. Why should they contribute to your pension? We're living longer. We can't afford. OK, I'll reach a compromise with you. We move the state pension to 75. How about that? Does that sound fair enough? 08459 455 555. Do you agree with me? It makes sense, doesn't it? We're all living longer. Let's move the state pension to 75. That takes a lot of pressure off the, go- the government, saves us a lot of money, and maybe it'll make you be more responsible for your pension. And going back to what Nick Clegg says, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? That wealthy pensioners shouldn't get the same state benefits that poorer pensioners get. So your heating allowance, your bus pass, things like that. If you're a wealthy pensioner, you shouldn't get them. That's obvious, isn't it? I don't think anyone could argue with that. You can give me a, a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can call me 08459 455 555. Let's have a quick look at the front pages of the newspaper, shall we? The Guardian. And by the way... The Guardian are giving away uh, children's CDs every day this week. Boy, oh boy, is my, is my little one loving that. We listened to, uh, what do we have yet? Cinderella yesterday. That was good. We thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, uh, the Guardian, BBC apology to Queen over Hamza. That's a great headline. Today programme, this is a wonderful clip. The uh, Royal Correspondent on this day programme basically talked about a private conversation that he'd had with the Queen. And she's not happy. Um, the Telegraph... Loads of front pages as well, by the way, have pictures of this uh, this teacher and uh, his 15-year-old schoolgirl, school girlfriend. 
Um, pensioners must give up benefits, says Clegg. Lib Dems call on wealthy, wealthier elderly to help others make ends meet at time of cuts. Makes perfect sense. Uh, the Times. Police chief faces wrath of MPs over grooming. Select committee responds to Times disclosures. Um, the MPs have summoned a chief constable to explain his force's apparent failings during a 10-year child sex scandal exposed by The Times. Um, and last sighting of runaway couple, The Independent. Crisis in social care costs Britain over £5 billion a year. And some pictures of a uh, family being rescued uh, during the floods. Uh, the Daily Express. Queen's anger at Hamza farce. Monarch upset evil cleric wasn't booted out sooner. It's the same story as earlier. But instead of being... Um, criticising the BBC reporter. Uh, it's, it's saying the Queen basically wants Abu Hamza out. More pictures of that runaway couple. Uh, the son. He was a nice bloke. Megan's dad recalls working with teacher. The dad of missing Megan Stammers, 15, has revealed he worked with the teacher she ran off with. Uh, the Daily Mail. Arm in arm, the runaway and her teacher. Uh, and the Daily Mirror. The police knew. As runaway Megan and her teacher have filmed strolling hand in hand, we can reveal the police knew. They knew of fears Jeremy Forrest and Megan Stammers were in a relationship days before they fled to France. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Catherine. Coming up in the next half hour, we're talking bad weather. We're talking more about it. Plebgate. How long does a scandal have to go on for before you can add the word gate? to it it seems to get shorter and shorter these days uh, I, would, I would say four days is acceptable before it becomes gate pleb gate uh, and we'll be asking and this is the really tough question <clears throat> and i want your honest honest opinions on this do you have a favorite child or a favorite grandchild just have a think about it and be honest we'll talk about that a little bit later on uh, we're talking about pensions. Um, have you prepared for your pensions? Uh, and should we get rid of benefits for wealthier pensioners? 08459 Thomas in Luton. Good morning. Good morning, Thomas. What's your take on this, sir? Well, a long time ago, I had well-paid jobs. I worked tunnels, mines, the Middle East and everywhere else. And I paid into an annuity fund. But when my eldest daughter went to Aberdeen, I cashed the whole lot in, bought a place, house. And my youngest daughter is in the horses I looked after. But I think that when the older generation has looked after the younger generation all of their life, then can it not be reciprocated by the younger generation looking after the older generation when it's starting to fall over? What, what, what do you mean the younger generation? Do you mean your kids or do you mean society in general? No, I mean your own... It has to stay within your family. Yeah. It's not always possible, though, is it, for kids to look after their parents? Well, may, maybe I'm lucky in as much as I managed to get the two of them through university. Yeah. So they've both got degrees, so therefore they're reasonably well-paid jobs. So they're, they're in a position to help you. It's not always possible. Thomas, I, I've got to move on. Thank you very much for that. 08459 455 555. It's an interesting point, isn't it? That sh- should the, the children be responsible for their own parents? It's not always doable. If your parents are ill... So my mum's in a home. And I had to make the decision, my sister and I, had to make the decision to, uh, for her to move in the home. 
Boy, oh boy, well, did I get a lot of criticism for that. Maybe we'll talk about that a bit later on. Now, wet weather has hit large parts of the country. It's caused serious disruption. Many homes are flooded and many roads are closed. It's what forecasters are calling the most intense September storm for 30 years. Morpeth in Northumberland is one of the worst affected areas after a river burst its banks, completely flooding the town. Paul Headley is the Assistant Chief Fire Officers with Northumberland Fire and Rescue. We've been working very hard, particularly in the Morpeth area, dealing with quite extensive flooding and um, searching and rescuing and evacuating quite a large number of people from around about 100 flood-affected properties, 35 of which were quite severely affected by ingress of, of flood water from the, the River Wandsbeck. Well, we can get a countrywide overview now from our reporter, Gavin Lee. Gavin, this is causing lots of problems for lots of people. Where are the worst hit areas? Yeah, where to start, really? I mean, North England, uh, Eastern Scotland, uh, Northern Ireland, probably the worst of, uh, you know, most of the country has experienced a fair bit of flooding in a few Places, but I'll mention some of the worst hit areas because there's a big list. But um, Morpeth, as we, we just heard, Durham, Rothbury, Chesterley Streets, Stockton on Tees, North Yorkshire, particularly Gilling West, they had three feet of water yesterday. And there was a care home last night, so it was pretty much swamped. They had to get um, firefighters to get in to carry out 19 of, of the elderly residents there. Some of the major roads, the A1 in North Yorkshire, massive problems. Talking about a 30 mile stretch yesterday, hundreds of people in their cars trapped. You might have seen some of the pictures overnight mm. from that. You know, you know, that was real havoc there. Uh, Ravensworth in North Yorkshire had probably the most rainfall for the country recorded, 123 millimetres, more than a month's worth of rain for that area. And then you have um, Southern Scotland, and the most clicked on pictures on the BBC yesterday were those weird sort of foam um, gales that, that are blown in, causing some sort of snowstorm effect to the, the, the town itself from the North Sea. And um, you know, we're talking about pretty bad problems there as well. I, I had a word with the emergency services this morning, and they've told me it's not the rain, it's the gale force winds that have caused dozens of people to be evacuated because overnight uh, something like 13 trees fell on properties so it's pretty serious there as well but uh, yes it's a brief rundown of um, what what we've been told is 90 flood warnings across the country well that's what's happened so far and there's more coming Uh, where are the other areas to be aware of in the next 24 hours any any particularly bad spots yes um, we're not out of the woods yet i think it'll be at least another day i would say the in the south you're pretty okay. In, for, moving for, much further north, it's pretty localised but again, the northeast of England uh, and Yorkshire, pretty heavy thundery showers across most of the country expected today though, but I must say, as well as the 90 flood warnings, there are 139 less serious flood, flood alerts. So what the Environment Agency and others are saying is you're going to get um, flood levels rising on, on most of the rivers, but the, the, the waters should start to recede after that. And just to give a very brief explanation, it's born all of this weather because of NX hurricane. Hurricane Nadine, somewhere out um, spinning off in the, the Atlantic uh, it's basically caused low pressure, cooler airs and it's very you know, the warm airs that's, that's given a lot of moisture to come off, meaning a lot of rain on the way be- to blame the hurricane Gavin, thank you very much, as our reporter uh, Gavin Lee, uh, giving us uh, the details of the bad weather 08459 455 555 is the phone number you can text 81333 start your text 3CR Lulu and David Bowie, there's an odd pairing. It's Lulu and David Bowie, the man who sold the world. Now, just think about this for a second. When you've done something wrong, and you've been caught out, and you've had a little bit of a barney, and it's, you know, people are aware of it, would you then go and do the same thing the next day? Well, this is an incredible story. It's emerged that the government's chief whip, Andrew Mitchell, tried to cycle through the gates of Downing Street 
the day after he had a row with coppers who told him that he couldn't cycle through the gates of Downing Street. Once again, he was refused. Well, what's the best way to handle that awkward period after an argument? Gene Brooks-Smith is an etiquette expert. Good morning, Gene. Good morning to you. He really wanted to get through those gates, didn't he? Oh, I think he's absolutely crazy. Why would you do it again a second time? Uh, he's either very thick-skinned or... Uh... Well, I think he, the man must be a little bit uh, stupid in every way. I mean, first of all, have we ever had a proper apology? No. When he was on um, interviewed, I think, day before yesterday, he actually scooted around the event and said, well, I didn't say those things, etc. So he's never really apologised. So we don't know, we, we still don't know yet, despite the police report that, ca- that possibly came out yesterday, we don't know if he, if he dropped the F-bombs and we don't know if he used the word pleb. Exactly. He, he's denying that still. Right. Well, he's denying it. And um, I mean, I have to be honest with you. I think that, okay, the media's making a big thing of it. But, you know, I think the expression I would say to him is just get on your bike and disappear. <laughs> you know, because you can't. I mean, it, it's like a child that's told off and they go back like a naughty child and do it again. It, you know, it's absolutely absurd. And he's supposed to be a person who's got um, a good job. Mm. Uh, one actually wonders what his job is about at the moment. But if you're going to apologise, you've got to be truthful and honest and say, you know, come up with the, the fact, I made a mistake, not say, oh, I had a bad day, you know, I didn't... That's not a good way out, is it? Saying, oh, I've had a tough day, no. it's not been good. I mean, we've all, we're all human beings and we all make mistakes, you know. We, we all do something that we think at the time, you know, how crazy we... And then we should realise how that was wrong come out with the truth, and then everybody will forget. But it's rather like a dripping tap at the moment, and the fact that he should go back again is absolutely absurd. It is like a spoilt child. Gene, what about those apologies when people mm. go, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have done this, but you also shouldn't have done that, and then they kind of turn it back on someone else. That just perpetuates things, doesn't it? It, it does. Well, that's what I mean. It's going on and on and on, because, you know, come come out with it and say, you know, everyday life. I mean, I'm sure you, and I know I have, if we've made a mistake, we, we realist, realistically say, I did that. We don't have to go about you know, saying, oh, this happened in the day. And if you do the mistake, either write a note, which I know is very old-fashioned with emails now, but that's the best way out. Don't do it on text, is that what you're saying? Don't do it on Soz. text. Yeah. Oh, Just, okay. you know, send a little note and say, I am so, you know, very sorry. But I think the fact is he's not actually coming out with, you know, that he was to blame. Everybody else seems to, to be of blame. And now, having repeated it again, it, you know, and possibly tomorrow he'll do it again. <laughs> Jean, <laughs> listen, I've got to go. I could talk to you for, for ages. We should get Jean in one day because she's fantastic. Jean Brooke-Smith, etiquette expert there uh, on Andrew Mitchell as, as Plebgate rolls on and on and on. It's 6.45, Wednesday the 26th of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Clegg suggesting tackling the deficit by stripping wealthy pensioners of universal benefits such as free bus passes and winter fuel payments. Police are expected to confirm today that the medieval Wenlock jug stolen from a Luton museum in May has been recovered. In sport, Luton Town won 2-1 at Tamworth with second-half goals from Yasser Kassim and Stuart Fleetwood. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks were in for some slow-moving heavy showers, perhaps thundery. Top temperatures 16 degrees. Coming up... 
More foster parents are needed in Bucks. Do you foster? After seven, we'll meet local foster parents from the three counties. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't forget, you can give us a call about any of the things we're talking about. Really keen to hear from you if you are a foster parent or you've been fostered. And also, surely you agree with me and Nick Clegg. If you're a wealthy pensioner, then you shouldn't get any state benefits. If you've got the money, it could be given to those who are perhaps a little bit more needy. 08459 455 555. Speak to you after this. Coldplay, clocks. From midday today, you can listen to Nick Coffer. Nick meets a man who decided to start a fascinating scheme for the unemployed young people in St Albans. At one, he'll have computer whiz Peter Rochford coming to answer your questions. That's Nick Coffer today from 12 till 3. I've just had a falling out with the production team. You know, I kind of think maybe Coldplay a, li- a little bit overrated. A little bit overrated. I may have called it Elevator Muzak. I may have done that. Uh, and the uh, the children that work with me here are furious. Boy, oh boy, they are furious. Wait till their parents pick them up and then I'll be getting a stern telling off, no doubt. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Uh, if you want to give me a call, you can text eight one three double three. Starting your text three CR. Now, oh, this is fascinating. This, and as a parent of two kids, it's interesting. And I'm going to ask you to listen and then be very, very honest. Okay. A father has admitted on a parenting website that he prefers one of his children over over the other. Buzz Bishop, what? That's his name, from Canada, wrote an article called Admit It, You've Got a Favourite Kid, I Do. Now, later on, we'll be speaking to Amanda Gummer. She's a psychologist from Hertfordshire, specialising in child development. Plus Maxine, who's a childminder from Flittick. She has two of her own children, but looks after eight. Now, do you, if you're a parent or or a grandparent, have you got a favourite kid? Favourite grandkid? Uh, it was awkward. I've got a sister. I was obviously my mum's favourite. And it was to the point where it was a little bit awkward and a bit embarrassing. Because it was just obvious. So, have you got a favourite child? We can get more on this now from our reporter to Justin Dealey. Good morning, uh, Justin Dealey. Good morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. You've been speaking to people in Luton about this. Is there such a thing as child favouritism? Well, incredibly, yes. I have to say, I've never really heard of this before, but I was doing some research into this last night, Ian, and it would certainly appear that uh, it's out there. In America, in particular, only recently, they did a, 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 like a survey-slash-study of 384 families, and what they did, they went to these families three times a year, and they videotaped them as they worked through conversations now, off the back of that, they found that 65% of mothers and 70% of fathers did have mm. a favourite child. And Jeffrey Kluger, he's the American science writer, uh, he says that 95% of parents in the world have a favourite child, and the other 5%, well, they are just lying. So Elizabeth, incredible. you have four children. Tell us their names and their ages. I have Jack, who is 12 years old, Lewis is nine, um, Millie is three, and... Grace is one. Busy lady, then. Very busy, yeah. <laughs> now, out of those four children, may sound harsh, but you have got a particular favourite. Who is the favourite and why? It's my youngest, who's only one, and I think she's my favourite because she's only one. And, you know, they're more playful and you don't have to stress. They don't answer you back. It's just very sweet. Do you feel guilty for saying that? Guilty for admitting that? I... Mm, <laughs> no, I don't. Now, sir, you have three grandchildren. Uh, is one of them in particular your favourite? Well, one of them out of the three probably is. And why is that? I don't really know why. I've, I've, I've known... Oh, she's the oldest one of the three anyway. 
and I've been closer to her anyway most of the time. But the other two are the same. They're, they're fine. There's no, not that many less than that, than that one, but that one just particularly. That's all. She's always been been close to me as well. Right then. So who have we got here today? You've got a little one here. Who's this? It's my son Michael. And who's in the push chair? It's my daughter Isabel. Now, out of those two children, have you got a favourite? No. I like them both the same. I've just spoken to other people who do have a favourite child. Do you think that's a bit strange, a bit weird, but by admitting that? Yeah, it seems to me strange, yeah. And what about yourself, madam? You're here with the two children as well. Favouritism doesn't exist in your household? No, not yet. <laughs> not yet? Not yet. <laughs> the Isabella was just born two weeks ago. Well, here's somebody who's got three children and three grandchildren. Favouritism? Is there one child and one grandchild you like in particular more than the others? Not a child, grandchild. Mm. But I shan't, um, I don't treat many different, and I'm not revealing. Why is that one so special I, I, without revealing I, too much detail? I think it's because I looked, looked after her for a little while, and the others I haven't. Sorry, Justin, my fat mm. finger slipped on the button. We went to that, uh, that was your Voxes a little bit uh, yeah. early there. But that was fascinating. I mean, it's incredible because, as I was saying, in America, you know, the, there seems to be a big talking point over there. Here in the UK, here in Luton, I never thought that favouritism with children would exist. But clearly, from what you've heard there from those people yesterday, being brutally honest in Luton, yeah. they do have favourite children and also favourite grandchildren. I just couldn't believe what I was hearing, but those people were very honest. But I suppose in some way, it, it, it kind of makes sense because we have favourite friends. We like some people more than others. So, it, does it not make sense that, that there might be one of the kids you just think, oh, you, well, you know. Well, not to me. I mean, I've got to be honest, I've oh. never heard of, of this before. So, when I was sent out yesterday, the, the questions on the streets are getting more and more personal by the day, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> you, no, I've got yeah. to say, Justin, that was one of the great moments. You've got a, a, a dad there with two kids. So, go on, which one do you like the most? Yeah. <laughs> well done. Very brave. <laughs> You've you got to ask the questions. But, I mean, I, I have to say, I, I was very, very surprised w- with what came back yesterday. People just saying, yeah, I've got four kids. And, and this one's my favourite. And it was just like a conversation about what he's having for dinner tonight. It was incredible to listen to. Have you got any brothers or sisters, Justin? I, I do. I did have a brother when he was ten, but sadly he died. Oh, but I'm what, sorry to hear that. What I would say, that, that in my household, going back to my childhood, there was no favouritism. Right. And when I think about my grandparents and or, on my mum's side, she's got loads and loads of grandchildren. She treats everyone exactly the same. And if I was to say to her, which one is your favourite grandchild, she would be highly offended by that question. I was my mum's favourite, and it was a little bit awkward between me and my sister as we grew older and became aware of it that, mm. that, that I was you know I remember that my sister was older than me and when she passed her driving test she was not allowed to use mum's car yeah. I passed my driving test I was allowed to use it straight away <laughs> how uh, awkward was that well I failed mine five times and in the so, office Ian you, you are my favourite <laughs> oh bless you Jesse. you failed five times yeah, five times I know that's terrible and I, apparently I'm the worst driver at the BBC that's according to somebody who took me out on uh, a BBC driving test as well I, I, I genuinely think if you, fa- if you fail three times, you should never be allowed to drive. That's Ooh. it. You proved you can't do it. You're not up to scratch. I'm useless. Justin, lovely to talk to you. Thank you Thank very you. much. Justin Dilly out and about uh, on the streets um, of Beds, Hearts and Bucks. And if you, if you see him, he's a very handsome young man. Always go and grab him. Uh, and if, if he's not talking about the thing, you know, you've got nothing to say to him about the story he's reporting, he'll make up something. He'll make up something to get the best out of you. So there you go. You've heard it. People are being honest and admitting that they have a favourite child. So look at your kids and think about it. Have you got a favourite one? 08459 455 555. Because they're they're so different kids, aren't they? And some of them are going to be a little bit more irritating than others. They're going to be a little bit naughtier. They're going to disagree with your views. 
So which of your kids or your grandkids is your favourite? Or do you think it's disgusting that we're even having this conversation? How can anyone have a favourite child? You can text 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call 08459 455555. Fee? <sighs> That's the first hour done and dusted. Plenty more to come. In the next hour, more on pensions and pensioners. If you're wealthy, should you really get a state pension? Here's the news with Catherine Boyle. BBC Three Counties Radio. Talking more about fostering in a little bit. Well-off pensioners should be stripped of their benefits, says Nick Clegg. It makes perfect sense, don't you think? 08459 455 555. A blogger has openly admitted he likes his eldest son more than his youngest. Who's your favourite child or grandchild? And there's a story in the mail today. Fascinating. How soon is too soon to find love again after the death of a partner? And the guy in the story married 14 months after his wife died. This is a sensitive subject, so I'm going to tread carefully, but how soon is too soon? Did you lose a partner, a husband or a wife, and then find love a bit quickly? Maybe your friends or your parents or your kids kind of thought, ooh, steady on, that's a little bit disrespectful. What's the decent gap? After someone's died, to move on and find someone else. 81333, start your text 3CR or give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, just imagine the simple pleasures of being young. Going to the park, having an ice cream, going to the pictures to watch Looper, which I'm going to go and see at the weekend. Now, imagine trying to do that when you're in the care of local authorities. In Bucks alone, the number of children without fosterers is almost 400. Now, they're telling their stories called My Best Days of what it means to do the things that other kids may take for granted. It's to raise awareness of the help and joy of being fostered. Anne Sherman is a foster carer from High Wycombe and she joins me now. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. And how long have you been a fosterer and, and, and why did you get involved? Uh, about 13 years. Um, well, um, it's just something we thought about when, well, actually when our children were younger. And um, circumstances happened when, we were, when the children had left home and we had um, room available and we decided to go for it. And what, what, was it kind of a long discussion that you had with, I'm guessing, your husband? Yeah. Or, 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 and how? What kind of thought process did you go through? Because it's a huge thing to invite <laughs> strange children, I mean strangers in unknown, to live yeah. with you for a while. Well, it's strange, but we've always had people in and out of our house. Right. Our children um, have always had their friends in. Um, when we were first married, we used to have uh, lodgers come in and help with our finances. And we had students staying. So really, in that respect, it wasn't a hard decision. Um, you know, it was. Uh, but we had to, we did think about it. You know, we thought about it uh, on and off for a few years, mm. um, and then really, in the end, it wasn't very hard at all. How strange was it the, the first time it happened? The first time a young person came to stay with you? Um, no, it wasn't strange. It was quite quite nice actually. Yeah. It's always you know you never never know quite what's going to happen. It's uh, it's um, you know a little bit. Not frightening, but, um, you know, you, you're wondering what's going to happen. It's, it's sort of, uh, 
you know, don't know what to expect, but um, and there's always sort of a period when you have to get to know each other. Mm. But, uh, you know, it worked out fairly well. I, I, we've never had any um, major problems getting to know the children. <laughs> Let's be honest, Anne, though, some teenagers, oh, they're a pain, aren't they? Oh, yes, they, they can, can be. They a right pain in the backside. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Um, well, we had a pretty easy time with our, teen- our children when they were teenagers. Yeah. So I kind of just use the same methods with the foster children that I do with, I do with my own children. And, you know, just, I think you need a lot of patience and you need a, a good sense of humour to deal with them. Mm. You know, I've, I've, we've had some really difficult ones, and, but a lot of the, you know, their problems have been because of the problems they've had in their, yeah. in their childhood. But I don't find, you know, I, I, I just, um, oh, I don't know, maybe it's the sort of people we are, we're a bit laid back and uh, we, we don't really find them... Um, too much of a problem, really. And I think you've got someone staying with you at the moment, someone called Dorian. Can I, I, have, can I speak yeah. to Dorian? Of course you can. Hold on a moment. Thank you very much. Morning. Is that Dorian? Yeah. Hello, mate. How old are you? I'm 16. Okay, listen, can Anne hear us? Yeah. Tell Anne to go in, in another room. I don't want her to hear us. Okay. Anne, um, he asked, can you go in another room because he doesn't want you to hear us. <laughs> Thank you very um, much. Excellent okay. work, Dorian. Right, now be honest. Right, what's Anne like? Well, Anne's a nice person. Yeah. At times she can she can be very funny and other times she can be very serious. It depends what the moods are. Yeah. But if you're just like going around and just having doing what you need to do, she'll stay out your way and let you get on with it. And she does she lets you kinda of do stuff, does she? She's not um strict and, and you know, you've got to be in bed by half past eight. There's none of that nonsense, is there? Well, you have to go in your rooms at 11, but right. what you do in your rooms until half 12 is your the choice. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, but it's not really, because I've got college, yeah. so I'm usually in bed by half 11. Yeah, but. listen, I'm do- doing this job, I'm in bed by half past eight, it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I thought, right, when I get to nearly 40, I can stay up all night. No, I'm in bed, I'm in bed the same time as my kids. Dorian, what's your um, experience of the care system been like? Well... I haven't been in care very long, like some other people, but I I think that it's been quite good for me because I've I got kicked out on the street, and I prefer it over the street any day yeah. because I've got warm bed, people who will support me and will look after me. But yeah. But the one quick thing everybody misses in foster care is either their family or people who's passed away. And so we're all, like, a little depressed, and they do do stuff to get us over that, yeah. which is really nice. But we we always talk to each other, and if we ever have a problem, we know there's someone in the net, another bedroom or yeah. wherever to just talk to. So you're kind of supporting each other, but it's got to be better staying with a nice family like Anne than, than being in the care home, I would have thought. Yeah, it is. Listen, if I ask you anything that you don't want to answer, just tell me to get lost. Okay. Uh, but you're 16. Yeah. Can I ask, why did you get kicked out? Did you fall out with your parents? Um, well, it was a complication of many things, which I can't go into detail. Okay, of course. But we, we just had a lack in communication. Right. okay. And it sort of just spread. Yeah. Not from the family to other branches of the family. Okay, and it must have left you feeling, I'm going to say pretty low, but that probably doesn't sum it up at all, does it? No, I I felt as soon as my dad kicked me out and I walked home from, 
I, well, I walked over where I was. I knocked on the door and he opened the door and said, get lost. Right. Where do you go? I find it fascinating. Where do you go, Dorian, when that happens? Did, did, what, what, what was your immediate port, port of call? Well, it was just the straw. I just yeah. stood there for like five minutes just thinking and then, and then you're like, what do I do? And you're feeling upset and angry and what does any upset, angry person do? They just walk. Mm. And you walk and walk just to relieve stress. And when you feel calm enough, you just think, maybe he'll he'll come find me soon. And so you wait and you wait in a place that you know your dad will come. And then it really hurts when you see him playing with my dog, okay? Mm. And he can see me, but he doesn't give a shit. That's what hurts. Okay, don't worry. I apologise for that. That's where this is a very emotive subject, and people will completely understand. Dory, listen. Thank you so much. I, it, and it just just to end on a lighter note, it, it must just make things so much happier and better being with a, a, a kind of stable family like like Anne is providing. Yeah. Okay, Dory. Listen. Thank you so much for being so honest with us. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank, thank you very you. much. Take care. There was a Category B swear word, I apologise for that, but I think you can understand uh, the emotion in Dorian's story there, and uh, I think we can excuse him that one. 08459 455. 555 is the telephone number. It's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible. We're talking about Nick Clegg. Uh, Pension cuts. Uh, He thinks that uh, rich pensioners should not get the same state benefits that poorer pensioners do. Matt in Luton. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Matt, what's your take on this? Uh, I feel Nick Clegg's got to go. The man's an a- he's a ass. Okay, listen, you're saying asses in donkey. Let's just, let's everyone just take a step away from the swear words. Everyone just calm down, because I don't want to lose my job in week three. <laughs> but point taken. Why, why do you think he's, he's being stupid, Matt? He's destroyed the young teenagers with the university charges. Yeah. He told a lie. Yeah. He now wants to have a go at the pensions again. Yeah, it's, it's, it, they love having a go at the pensions. But, Matt, do you, do you know what he said? Uh, no, I don't want to know. Well, I'm but, just <laughs> listening to what you said. But you can't judge him on something that you've not, you don't know what he said. I'll tell you what he said and then see if you're so reactionary. He has said that wealthy pensioners, wealthy pensioners, should not get uh, benefits like free bus travel and the heating allowance. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? Mm, so, yeah. Matt and Luton, thank you very much. There we go. That was the easiest conversion job I've ever done in my life. <laughs> thank you very much. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. That's the thing. Listen to what he said, and it, it makes sense. Wealthy pensioners shouldn't get the heating allowance. Now, the heating allowance—I don't know what it is. It's something like hundred pounds, hundred fifty pounds. That makes sense, doesn't it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Yasmin's in Dunstable. Good morning, Yasmin. Morning, Yasmin. What's your what's your your point, please? Totally agree with the other man. Actually, a total whatever. For goodness sake, what's going into it? Why is everyone so potty? Is it potty mouthed Wednesday today? What's going on? But Yasmin, d- have you heard what Nick Clegg has said? Well, I just well only what I've heard on the radio with you this morning. But right. I just. Don't. No matter who it is, but they're really if they're, if they're really wealthy pensioners, do they need that 150 pounds? And I don't know if that's the figure. I'm hoping someone will tell me. Do they need that 150 pounds when it could go to poorer pensioners? But do they actually claim it? They get given it automatically. 
Well, if they're entitled to it, then I think they should do it. Oh, I think okay. he should look at other ways of maybe cutting back pe- people that aren't entitled to benefits. But, 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 okay, listen, my, my parents-in-law, they're, they're quite well off. They're not super rich, but they're, they're doing all right, and they're pensioners. And they have said to me, it's ridiculous they get a free bus pass and they get this um, heating allowance when they don't require it. Well, then that should be down to the individual. If they don't require it and don't need it, surely they have a right then to turn around and say to the government or whatever department that deals with this that, you know, right, you can stop us, we don't need it. Okay, Yasmin, thank you very much. 08459 455 555. Maybe Yasmin's right. It's down to the individual to make the decision. I don't think it's as easy as that to give money back to the government. I know. Surprising, but I think it's a little bit difficult. 7.16, Wednesday the 26th of September. These are the headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Clegg is suggesting that wealthy pensioners be stripped of free bus passes and winter fuel payments before the next general election. Police are expected to confirm today that the medieval Wenlock jug stolen from a Luton museum in May has been recovered. In sport, Milton Keynes Dons are out of the League Cup after losing 2-0 to Sunderland at Stadium MK. We'll have a full weather bulletin shortly with Dan Holly. And coming up, after 7.30, we'll be talking more about whether it's right to favour one child over the other. That's after a parent blogger has been criticised for admitting he likes his eldest more than his youngest child. And also, I'm looking to talk to you. If you lost a partner, a husband or a wife, and then got married again or fell in love again soon after, so soon that perhaps some people kind of went, do you know what, that feels a little inappropriate. When is too soon to fall in love after losing a partner? 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio Radio. (laughs) I just had a tweet from someone, I'm thinking, I know that name from somewhere and I'm racking my brains. To see if this does the name Sophie Tyler mean anything to you? <laughs> yeah, she does our travel. I'm thinking, how on earth do I know that name? And I clicked on it, and she, and she says, oh, "I do the travel." It's like, oh yes, it's our Sophie Tyler. She's tweeted um, about parents favouring favouring a child. I think my parents just prefer whichever child is being least irritating on any given day. That's that's possible. It can it can kind of flip back and forth between children. It's odd, isn't it? That if you've got kids. Is there one that you like the most? Be honest. I, I don't. I've got two boys. I love them both equally. I interact more with the eldest, simply because he can walk and he can talk and we can have conversations. The other one's a baby. So there's more interaction. I wouldn't say I favoured him because of that. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. And pensions. Nick Clegg says that uh, wealthy pensioners should not get the same benefits as uh, other pensioners. Pat's in Houghton Regis. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Ian. Pat, do you agree with Nick Clegg on this? Well, what does he class as rich pensioners? He's not given a specific, but there, there are some people to whom £150 heating allowance, they don't need that. Well, if they don't need it, let them decide who they give it to. I mean, they're quite intelligent enough if they become rich in the first place. But, Pat, listen, if someone gives you 150 quid, right, and you didn't need it, you'd still keep it, wouldn't you? You're not going to go and give it to someone. Why should, it be, why should the onus be on the, the wealthy pensioners? They've got more important things to do. Because they've earned that money, and on top of not earning that money, if, there's, if you class wealthy as being having a bank account with a certain amount of money in it, yes. you can be sure when they become ill, the government will take everything from them to look after them and their care. And they only do it in, this, in England, and they will take that money off them, every penny. So then they become not wealthy. Well, they don't, they don't take every penny off them. 
They do. They take their house. They don't take they every take penny. Their they, they don't take, take their house. They leave twenty one thousand exactly. at the end of it. He's, yeah, twenty one thousand. Twenty three thousand, I think now. But yes, they've earned that money. Yep. They've earned that right. But what do you do with the millionaires out there? Then everyone seems to pick on the pensioners, the frail, and the poor. Even the benefits side of it all, you know, if, you've, if you're not getting any rise in your benefits, I don't care about the unemployed. The unemployed are trying to make ends meet. Yeah. And if you don't raise their amount, okay. they're in trouble from the beginning, just like people who don't get wages. Pat, we're going off on a slight tangent. Stay there, because I think Janet in Great Hormead uh, disagrees with you. Janet, w- w- what's your take on this? No, I totally agree. Um, th- you know... I, I'm a carer, yep. and I go to people, lots of people, some are very poor, or not so well off, and there are some people that are wealthy, yeah. and um, I have a client that actually tried to give the money back, because he didn't need it, didn't want it, didn't need it, yeah. and he thought it would be a good idea for it to go back into the system, so somebody that isn't as well off will get the heating allowance, and there isn't a provision no. for that to be done. So, you know, he, he, so he gave it to charity. Right. But I don't know what charity he gave it to, but if it had gone back into the same system, which would have meant that somebody that, even with £150 yep. they get, are still struggling, means that... Um, they get extra heating. Pat Janet works with, with works with a millionaire pensioner who tried to give it back and couldn't. He, well, that person doesn't need that money. They shouldn't get it, should they? It should be automatic. They don't get it. Well, the thing is, the thing is, it should have a, a bit of uh, a bit of an even playing field. You've got people abroad that get heating allowance, and I agree they shouldn't get it when they're abroad. But, 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 but focus in this country, millionaires, millionaire pensioners, or even rich pensioners, surely they shouldn't get it if they don't need it. You're not talking about millionaire pensioners, though. You're just talking about what they class as rich, and we don't know how he defines that. Okay. But if they want to give it back, then that's fine. But if they, but give they it can't back, give it back. They can't. Yeah. That's what Janet's saying. Yeah, but if they did give it back, where would it go? Would it go into the system, or would it go into some MP's you know, back pocket? Well, it's not, it's not going to go some MP's back pocket, is it? Ridiculous. Pat in Haddon Regis. Janet, thank you very much indeed. 08459 <laughs> Very quickly, I should just say that um, Saturdays, 2 till 6, Luke Ashmead, Three County Sport. Um, four hours of top-quality local sporting action. You get a choice of four live commentaries in the Championship, League One and the Conference. Huddersfield v Watford, MK Dons v Crewe, Stevenage v Berry, and Luton v Southport. Saturday, 2 till 6. Now, how soon is too soon to find love again after the death of a partner? A story in the Mail today looks at the agonies from both sides of the bereaved partner and new love to the friends and family who are also struggling to deal with it. And if you've got a story about this, I would love to hear from you this morning. 08459 455 555. Leela Collins is a psychologist who specialises in relationships. Good morning, Leela. Good morning. Is there ever an appropriate time to move on? No, there isn't. It is a very individual thing, and it depends on all sorts of things. The quality of your relationship, how long you've been together, and um, how the loss, the death has occurred. Well, the loss really mm. has occurred. And um, and, and uh, uh, the kind of person you are, if you're accepting, you're the sort of person who accepts ups and downs of life better 
And there are people who fight, there are people who, who are accepting, and there are people who have uh, religious beliefs that helps them. All kinds of phenomena mm. come into this uh, very troublesome, very, very um, uh, traumatic time in one's life for men and women both. The story in the paper today, the couple got together 14 months. That seems to me like a perfectly respectable amount of time. Fair enough, fair enough. If they're both uh, available emotionally mm. to develop a new relationship, that is absolutely fine, and uh, I wish them well. Admire them. How would... Because I can imagine that the, the, the parents... If a parent passes over, say there's a, a, a dad left, and they get with mm. someone six months, a year, two years later, I'm guessing the kids would find it particularly hard. How would you deal with um, perhaps negative pressure from your children? Well, that's a, a, that's a different phenomena. Mm. And again, it depends on the circumstances of separation and how the children are prepared for it and uh, how you explain to the children both mum and dad have to move on and they're likely to meet other people. If you prepare them for it, then it would be, uh, it would, you would create an easier passage for the children mm. than if it suddenly happened six months after the departure, a new man comes into the house, this is uh, mum, uncle, whatever his name is. Mm. I suppose no, someone, it's a question of preparation. Someone suggested in the office, you, you talk about preparation, uh, that, that perhaps it's easier, and I'm, you know, none of these terms quite fit, but it's easier to meet a new partner if the original partner is dying of a terminal disease. So you have perhaps a year of that person being ill and you know that their life is going to end. Cause I, I would imagine in some ways you're, you're preparing yourself for that person being gone. It's not a sudden shock. Well, uh, there, is, there, there is some uh, uh, wisdom in that, yes, of course, I understand that. But I think at some uh, very deep and emotional level, you never know if it's going to happen and you hope some miracle mm. occurs and this person is going to be saved. You're going to be the one, one exception. So there is, although to some degree it is a preparation, that's why in many respects I don't believe in euthanasia, but, but also, <clears throat> um, you know, um, yes, it is a preparation, but it is just as painful. The the one thing I would recommend to people is if you're if you're parting or if you're going to suffer a loss and a trauma, get help, get uh, therapy, get somebody to talk to who has no axe to grind and can help you to absorb the pain and dissolve the pain. Mm. Leela, thank you very much. Leela Collins is a psychologist who specialises in relationships. Jill is texting and says uh, that she would love her mum to meet someone else. Says it would help her get over her dad who died 16 months ago. Well, if this has happened to you, and it is a sensitive subject, we have to tread carefully. If you lost a partner, or a husband, a wife, loved one, how soon after did you find somebody else? Uh, or maybe you think it's completely inappropriate. I have spoken to people in the past who just say, look, the, the person I'm with is the love of my life. That's it. Well, if they go, I'm not fine. I don't need to find anyone else because no one's going to live up to them. 08459 
555. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Catherine. Plenty in the next half hour of the show. We'll be talking about favouritism, um, the Wenlock jug, and we'll be finding out. We had a gentleman in yesterday who'll be holding a protest for 40 days and 40 nights outside an abortion clinic. And Justin uh, will be there to see uh, if the protest is taking place and how it's going. Now, I'm going to say a name to you, and I want you to think for a second about who it is. Rowan Williams. Huh? Have a think. No. Ah, could be. I'll tell you. It's the Archbishop of Canterbury, or soon to be ex Archbishop, because today church officials are going to choose someone to replace him. Well, an opinion poll done for BBC Local Radio shows that more than half the country think the current Archbishop, Dr. Rowan Williams, has been a good leader, but a quarter think he hasn't kept the church relevant in modern Britain. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has decided to ask you in the three counties what you think. So, Sue, this man you're looking at right now, who do you think that is? No idea. No idea at all? No. The Archbishop of Canterbury. Oh, right, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You don't really care, do you? No. No. Because the survey says that he's been a great leader. If you don't know who he is, clearly he's not been a great leader for you. No. I had nothing to do with it. Jason, a man of the world, showing you a photograph right now. Who is this man here? I see Archbishop of Canterbury there. Can you name him? Uh, it's, it's kind of there, but it's not. I yeah. can't. I'll need some deep fall first. If I said to you, Dr. Rowan... Williams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got there. Well done. Thanks. Has he been a great leader, as far as you're concerned, even though you don't know his name? Um, I don't really follow too much kind of what he does. I've seen the comments come up in some stories now and again, but it's not one I really look into too much to, to pass a comment, to be honest. And lastly, here's Stuart. Stuart, this is not Dave Lee Travis. Who do you think this person is? <laughs> I don't know. Who is that? Keep guessing. Come on. Who do you think it might be? Apparently, we love him here in Beds, Hearts and Bugs, but the people I've been talking to don't really know who he is. Uh, that makes just one more of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Archbishop of Canterbury, no. Dr. Rowan Williams. He doesn't. Yeah, that's him. Grief. <laughs> Nah, he doesn't. Well, Christina Reese is a, a priest from Royston, a uh, regular on this station and a member of the Archbishop's Council. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Ian. Oh, I feel sorry. <laughs> Has he succeeded? Because a, a, a lot of people don't recognise him. Well, let's say he's not right up there with the Beckhams in terms of recognisability, I would say. But I think a lot do. I was impressed with the uh, the stats of this yep. survey and I thought, you know, well done, Rowan Williams, for... Um, for the you know the results and you know over half the people think he has been a good leader and that he has kept faith relevant and that he's been able to communicate what he believes and why so i thought good for him a quarter of the people think he hasn't kept the church relevant in modern britain do you agree with that well, I can't, I can't argue with the survey, but Ian, you know, you put, you put ten people in the room and yeah. you're going to have a quarter of people disagreeing on principle with what anyone says anyway. And, and I think, you know, with, with some of those people you, you spoke to, if, 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 it's, if faith is not rele- relevant to mm. them, then the, the Archbishop of Canterbury making pronouncements on anything or having a debate with someone um, is just not, not 
in their not in their sights. So I, I, I think that's a fair result. And I think in terms of surveys, I, I think any archbishop would be happy to have these results because it's not it's you know, they're not in it for the success game. No. And the popularity, and that's a hard one because when you're, you know, you're playing out your life on the national and international stage, it is nice to be liked and thought to be brilliant. But no one's gonna, no one's gonna ever strike a hundred percent. I just think it's, I think it's great. You know, uh, uh, someone just said that Rowan Williams was able to make us think afresh about where our society is heading. Yeah, and I think that's not a bad thing to say about. Isn't someone. he getting out at a good time though? Because there's there's uh, gay marriage women bishops big thorny things kind of coming up and still not being settled the next person is going to have a tough job aren't they i think some may say he's going to miss all the fun really um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good no him. he's been he's been he's been through all the real behind the scenes uh difficulties of debating women bishops yes the whole same-sex marriage issue is coming up on the horizon mm. But uh, Rowan Williams has certainly been involved with the women bishops debate, and we're going to settle that, hopefully, in November in General Synod. So he's been through an awful lot of uh, difficulties, and I'm sure he, he will be, you know, give a sigh of relief that he doesn't have to deal with that anymore. And the next archbishop is definitely going to have it on his plate from day one. Christina, thank you very much. I didn't, didn't get time to ask her. We're, we're, we're p- possibly approaching lady bishops. How about a lady archbishop? <gasps> How far ahead in the future is that? Christina Reese uh, from Royston, a member of the Archbishop's Council. Um, no, oh, we've got lots of text here. Let's go through a couple of these, shall we? Uh, on, on Nick Clegg's decision or, or suggestion that wealthy pensioners don't get the same state benefits as, as uh, poorer pensioners. Uh, Nick in Hitchin says, if Nick Clegg wants to withdraw various benefits from pensioners, then he should lead by example, such as with, withdrawing his second home allowances, chauffeur-driven limos, first-class travel and the sub- subsidised bus. Well... He's the Deputy Prime Minister, Nick. You wouldn't want him to travel cattle class, would you? Of course you should travel first class. Imagine if he travelled to, I don't know, New York. And David Cameron's going to New York soon. Uh, he, he couldn't go cattle class with all of the plebs. He couldn't. It would be How inappropriate would that look? He gets out, his suit's all rumpled, he's, he's got, you know, eight hours growth on his face. He, of course he has to travel first class. Uh, and on favourite kids... Do you have a favourite ki- uh, kid? Rian Flittick says. I love my boys the same, but I must admit I'm probably closest, here we go, to my 16-year-old son, Ryan. I didn't want him to start school. I wanted him home with me, whereas the other boys, I couldn't wait to get shot at them and let school deal, deal with them. But Ryan has always had a fantastic sense of humour. I never need to tell him off. He very rarely back chats. My other boys have been a pain in the backside and, and still can be. Well, really, it sounds like Ryan is the golden child. Um, an anonymous. I'm from Cyprus. If they did the survey there, I'm sure 99.9% of people wouldn't favour any of their children over the others. I could not even think of uh, favourite favouriting any of mine. I think this is something to do with culture. In the UK, you try to get rid of your kids as soon as they reach the age of 18. We in Cyprus would like them to live next to them forever. That's true. In Greece, in Greece, you don't move out until you're 35. If you're a boy, the girls... Well, they're not so keen on they kind of get booted out a little bit quicker but the boys you stay there forever well as you've heard a father has admitted on a parenting website he prefers one of his children over the other the ridiculously named buzz bishop from canada wrote an article called admit it you've got a favorite kid i do now be honest some of our listeners have been do you prefer one of your children 
Or are you incredulous that a father has admitted this? Well, Maxine is from uh, Flitwick. She has two of her own children, but looks after eight at a time. Oh, my goodness, because she's a childminder. Maxine, how on earth do you survive? Well, it, it's quite straightforward. I actually have three children of my own. Oh, OK. Um, but it's so long as each child gets relatively what they feel that they want at the time then it's very easy to keep a quite calm surrounding okay now so let's talk about the the, the children that you look after that aren't your own first now okay when it's other people's kids it's easy to have a favorite isn't it you're allowed to and of course you're going to have favorites because because some are the the the, funnier some are cuter some are better behaved yeah so, have you got you've got favourites out of the ones you look after, <laughs> and ones you're not so keen? on? don't mention any names. You don't have to. Don't no. give away anything. No names, no patreon. No, but but you've got you've got favourites and some that you're less keen on. I wouldn't say I'm less keen on any, but there are a couple that do. Yeah, they do pull my heartstrings. Oh, see, that's a nice way. That's that. See, that's a, perhaps a more sensitive way of putting it. They pull your heartstrings. Now, yeah. Maxine, I want you to be honest. Your three children are they yes. boys, girls? What, what, what's? I've got two girls and one boy. Okay, two girls, one boy. Yeah. Is is there one of them that is your favourite? Absolutely not. I would lay down my life for all of them. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%, without question. But you do... Each child is so very different that you can't help but not respond better to particular children. But if you have more in common with one child that you can relate to more so, yeah. it's very easy for the untrained eye to, to see, think... Well, I think she's got a favourite, but in my eyes, I do not have a single favourite. Each of my children has so very different needs. Of course, but maybe... Now, it's interesting you say that that, that to someone outside of the family, they might think, oh, look, hang on, she's favouriting girl number two. Do you think maybe that sometimes the kids can pick up on that? And think, oh, mummy's looking Mm. after Sophie more than she's looking after me. Yeah, there have have been times when it's, oh, it's all about X, but... That's not the case. It's just that I, my age ranges from 13 down to four. So right. obviously my four-year-old has far more demanding needs than my 13-year-old. Yeah. So it would appear that I give more time to my four-year-old, which obviously I do, yeah. because needs must. But that doesn't mean that I favour her over my 13-year-old. Because sometimes it's, the older kids can struggle with that, can't they? Because they, 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 yeah. they, they don't have the, the life skills to realise that, yeah, of course you've got to look up yeah. and do more with a four-year-old kid. You've got to change his pants when he wets himself. You've got to do all those things. Yeah. A 13-year-old can kind of look after themselves pretty much. So yeah. how do you get over that? How do you explain that to the older child? Well, I'm, I'm just very honest and very matter-of-fact about it. And if anything ever does come up like that, I, I, you know, I just explain. She's four, she needs this, she needs that. And... That, you know that's how it's done. I can't, I can't go anywhere and leave Amy. Mm. I can't pop to the shops and leave her because she's four. Mm. But I can pop to the shops and leave my thirteen-year-old, and then maybe she would feel that she's being left out, but she's not. It's just a necessity that I have to take my youngest to go and get some milk. I don't have to take my oldest to go and get some milk. Maxine, fascinating. Thank you very much. That's Maxine West who, uh, from Flitwick. Uh, she's a childminder with three kids of her own. The question I was tempted to ask, and I restrained from asking, because I, 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 even I kind of have limits. The question is, you're on a sinking boat. You can only save one of the kids. Which one do you save? That's the question, isn't it? That's the question. I couldn't ask it to Maxine because she seemed so delightful. If you're brave enough to answer that question, you're in a burning house. You can only grab one of the kids. Which one is it? That's it, isn't it? 
I don't know if I'd have the guts to ask that directly to someone, but if you're brave enough to answer it. It's 7.45, Wednesday, the 26th of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Clegg is suggesting that wealthy pensioners be stripped of free bus passes and winter fuel payments before the next general election. Police are expected to confirm today that the medieval Wenlock jug, stolen from a Luton museum in May, has been recovered. In sport, Luton Town won 2-1 at Tamworth with second-half goals from Yasser Kassim and Stuart Fleetwood. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. We're in for some slow-moving heavy showers, perhaps thundery. Top temperatures 16 degrees. And coming up, police are expected to confirm today that the medieval Wenlock jug, stolen from a Luton museum in May, has been recovered. We'll find out more before 8. BBC Three Counties Radio. Very excited. Beatles Day. Yes. Friday, the 5th of October. Nice work, Justin. BBC, Three Counties Radio. I love the Beatles. I, I listen to that trail a lot, and I can't work out what the first noise is in that trail. We've had some suggestions. I don't think they're correct. I recognise all of the songs. All of the songs. There's, there's a noise at the start, and I can't work it out. Is it... Um, oh, maybe it's from the, the Sergeant Pepper. The, the Sergeant Pepper's reprise. I don't know. Let's see, if there are any Beatles experts out there that, that know, then uh, give us a call, 08459-455-555. Now, as we mentioned on the show yesterday, from midnight last night, one of the biggest campaigns against abortion began. Protesters planned to stand outside abortion clinics in 316 locations worldwide, 24 hours a day for 40 days, including uh, in Milton Keynes. Uh, Andy Burton was the gentleman we spoke to uh, yesterday, and I believe Justin Dealey is outside the Milton Keynes uh, centre. Justin, I- I- what's going on there? Yes, Ian, I-, I am actually here. How many people do you think are here at this moment in time? So, take a guess. Um, five. No, uh, two people. Oh. And I had to really struggle to find these people as well, because... Okay. There's absolutely no banners, no leaflets whatsoever. Yes, I know it's early in the morning, but it's uh, probably take me about five or ten minutes to find these people. So they're not outside the main entrance? Well, they're not outside the door itself. They're right. probably about 20 yards away. OK. So there's two of them here. We've got Theresa Bryan and also Bernadette Cassidy. Just going to have a very quick chat now with Bernadette. So you're not from Milson Keynes. Tell us where you're from. I'm from Letchworth. And how long have you been here for this morning? Since half past six. You're very passionate about this. You want abortion to be completely banned in this country. But do you think this protest will be taken seriously? Because I struggled to find you. You saw me looking for you. No banners whatsoever. Well, the, the main entrance to this building, uh, of course, uh, is, is the entrance for many other businesses as well. We don't want to obstruct people coming in. We, we, we are here to pray and to witness to, to, the, to the sanctity of life. And we're he- we, what we want is people to realise that young mothers need help. They're very offered, offered, abor- they're offered abortion as, as an easy option. It's not an easy option. I mean, Bernadette, to be fair, we spoke in detail about that with Andy yesterday, but my point to you is, what's the point in, in being here? You're trying to get your point across. If people don't know you're here, what, what, what's the point? Well, people will know we're here. Uh, when you will have even just two people standing outside the clinic, and although we're not outside the main entrance to Acorn House, we are at, actually outside the part of it that is the BPAS clinic, and people will see us here. 
there and they will see us praying we're praying just for the staff and for the for the young mothers going in and we know from experience in, in the states and in other places that it does change people's hearts and that's what we need we need people to think about the consequences of abortion to think that we can offer mothers so much more i mean obviously whether you can get people here for 40 days is is another matter but but just finally there will be women turning up very very soon to use this abortion clinic two of you here right now will you be approaching those women as they enter the clinic no we won't approach them usually the mothers if they indicate to us that they would like to speak we will of course speak to them if they want counseling if they want advice we will give them but the initiative comes from them but they will know there will be others later here with banners so it will be obvious why we're here and very often people mothers young mothers going in there are often very uncertain and they get that's going to make it worse for you being here isn't it well no because they know they have we let them know that there is another option and and that there is help for them that they don't have to go through and kill the baby okay and you think and again very very briefly on this you think it's it's the right thing to do you think by being here this morning with with people being here 24 7 this is categorically the right thing to do we know from those 40 days for live vigils in the united states especially and even in london that it does work. Okay. Thank you very much indeed for your time. There you go. That's uh, Bernadette Cassidy, uh, one of the two protesters mm. here outside Acorn House in Milton Keynes. The other one, Teresa Bryan. As I was saying, Ian, no banners, no leaflets whatsoever. Um, I struggled to find the ladies, but as you've heard there, they firmly believe they are doing the right thing. Well, they're very passionate, and, and fair play to them for that. It does seem an odd protest that there's no kind of indication that there's a protest going on. No. If, if you were walking in and were unaware of this thing, Justin, would you know that they were there, what was, what was happening? You know, I'm, I'm just being completely honest, yep. Ian. I'm telling you what I'm seeing this morning. Um, this protest, if it is a protest, it will have absolutely no impact whatsoever because because at the moment we, we've got Teresa and Bernadette who look like two ladies who are, are standing here waiting for somebody to pick them up. It's as simple as that. They don't look like they're protesting. Maybe after 8 o'clock that would change, yep. but that only time will tell. Justin, thank you very much for that. That's the uh, protest that's happening outside an abortion clinic in Milton Keynes. Uh, it's it's going to go on for 40 days and 40 nights. And um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that to see if it grows. It may pick up pace more people hearing this may go actually i'm gonna go down there and have some of that or it may fizzle out and um we shall see what happens hey kids exciting news you know that wenlock jug yeah got nicked it was stolen from Stockwood park in may well it uh, it turns out that we may have got it back Bedfordshire police say they believe the jug has been recovered and today experts from the museum will nip over to Surrey to see if it is actually the medieval Wenlock jug. Ivan McQuiston is the editor of Antiques Trade Gazette. Ivan, this story broke when I wasn't working at BBC Three Counties, so I've kind of missed it a bit. What is the history of this jug? Why is it so significant? Well, first of all, it's the age. It goes back to the 14th century. It originally came out of the cellars of Eastern Neston, which was the um, house that belonged to Lord Hester. Um, in around 2005, he was selling up, he was selling the contents. That came out of the, of the sellers, and it was actually really probably the most talked about thing when it came up for auction at Sotheby's, uh, where it made over half a million pounds. Ouch, there we go. But why would someone have stolen it? Surely it's something like this... You can't sell it on. You can't do anything with it. So why would it have been taken? Yeah, it's it's a good, it's a very good point. You know, you get to hear all these stories about things. You know, some Mister Big somewhere having something stolen to order. Uh, largely a lot of old rubbish. So it, there's the, no Mister Big anywhere. Sadly not. Oh, no. no. Uh, <laughs> That's my dreams. <laughs> no, as I understand it, I mean this was taken as a burglar at night during the, in the museum from a locked 
cabinet. I suspect it was really just um, an opportunistic theft. They looked at this thing, thought, oh, that must be worth a lot of money. Um, but, of course, when it comes to selling these things on, uh, they're very identifiable. And uh, nobody, dealer, auctioneer, whoever wants, wants to be handling stolen goods because you get into trouble. Well, of course, it's been on Crime Watch as well, so I'm guessing yeah. as soon as something appears on there, everyone, Mr Big or whoever, is like, well, you know, thank you, I'm not going near that. <laughs> exactly. You know, The more identifiable objects and, uh, and celebration is, and it's not just this, it's happened with an awful lot of other things, sort of major paintings in France and all those sort of things. It's, you can't really tell them. They, now, they think they found it in Surrey, and experts from Stockwell Park will go over there today. Yeah. This must be genuinely, I mean, my tongue is slightly in my cheek, but this must be genuinely very exciting for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't forget, for a start, when the museum acquired this thing, you know, they're up against the, firstly, they're up against the fight against the New York Met to, to own it. Their, their policy, uh, I think they had a budget of something like two, two and a half thousand pounds a year to acquire things. The, the Met in New York had massive. So mm. to manage to secure something um, for the best, you know, 750,000 pounds by getting a, a, a lottery fund, you know, it, it was a, a major achievement. And don't forget as well, they're also up against a museum in Shropshire to get it. So they, they have fought long and hard mm. to get this. They succeeded. They've only had it for five years. Um, I mean, th- that's another thing about this thing. You know, this thing only turned up seven years ago. Um, and so it's very rare for something that early uh, in that complete state to have turned up mm. at medieval house unknown um, f- uh, prior to that. How does it work, Ivan? Do they, can they just, when they go there, go, yep, yeah, this is it. Do they then just put, pop it in the boot of the car and drive back, or does it require some sort of special transportation? Uh, are you talking about the museum or the thieves? The, 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 actual, the, the actual, the museum, when they go and pick it up from, sorry, I'm, I'm guessing the, the thieves just put it in a swag bag and rode off on their bicycles. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're going to take care of it. They know what they're doing. These people are tra- trained curators. Certainly, um, yeah, I should, you know, I, I don't know the exact way they deal with it, but I should imagine it's going to be, they're going to take very great care of it and probably review security procedures at the museum, although they sounded as though they were pretty good anyway. It was in a locked cabinet, wasn't it? So yeah. you would yeah. think, well, there's not much more you can do, really, if you still want these things to be displayed freely exactly yeah so you know do, do things like this when they go missing do they often turn up or are there still lots of unsolved d- yeah thieves? it sort of depends what it was very sadly recently there was a um a it was actually a, a sort of smash and grab uh, at a museum in north cotswold that stored some of the leading objects uh, by a chap called omar ramson who was a um a jewelry and silver designer from the last century and uh, these were some of the best examples of his work ever. Now, they, those were stolen. Very unlikely to turn up again because, because they're silver, they've probably been melted down and sold for scrap. Ouch. Ivan, thank you very much indeed. Ivan McChristen there, uh, editor of Antiques Trade Gazette, uh, celebrating the um, possible return. It's not confirmed yet. Just to keep, keep those corks in those bottles because we won't find it until this afternoon. But we think the Wenlock jug has been recovered. So, uh, but imagine you steal something like that, and you kind of go, yeah, and uh, now, now what do I do with it? Where do we go now with it? Ah, uh, we're talking about when is too soon to, uh, to remarry after someone has passed over. There's a story in the mail today about uh, a couple that got together 14 months after um, the, the uh, husband's wife passed away. Uh, and Janet has texted in, I am with my best friend's husband. Hmm? I've been associated with the family for over 40 years. Before my friend died, oh, Janet, I wish we could talk to you on the phone. Before my friend died, she wanted her husband and me to be together, which we are. That's incredible. Hang on a second. So before she died, the wife said, look, you two, Janet, Steve, 
I think you two should get together when I pass. But the two elder children do not have anything to do with their dad now. Isn't that incredible? Janet, if we can't get you on the air today, we'll we, we definitely get you on at some point. That's a, that's a fascinating story. With my best friend's husband, before my friend died, she wanted her husband and me to be together, which we are. But the two elder children do not have anything to do with their dad now. How honest is that? If you've got a story like that, 08459 455 555. Coming up in the next hour as well, still plenty of time for you to get your calls in uh, about Nick Clegg has uh, said that, that wealthier pensioners shouldn't receive the same state benefits everyone else does, the bus pass, the heating allowance. And that makes sense, doesn't it? If we're trying to save money in these days of austerity, if you're wealthy... And you're a pensioner. You don't need a free bus pass. You don't need the £150 heating allowance. That's obvious, isn't it? So here's the deal. You're a pensioner. You've got more than, what, £70,000 in the bank. You don't need your heating allowance. Talk more after the news. Good morning. This is Ian Lee. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Another hour of the show and still plenty coming up. And I'd love to get your opinion on all of these stories. We'll be talking more about foster care. If you've ever done it or you've been fostered, do let us know your story. 81333, start your text 3CR. We'll be talking about pensions. Have you prepared for it? And in a similar vein, Nick Clegg has said that if you're a wealthy pensioner, you shouldn't get the same benefits that other pensioners do. I'm going to set the fee at £70,000. You've got £70,000 in the bank. You don't need the heating allowance. You don't need your free bus pass. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've also been talking uh, this morning about a story that's in the Daily Mail. Uh, about a uh, man uh, whose wife died and 14 months later he married his uh, married someone else and we're asking how soon is too soon after the loss of a partner what's the appropriate length of time to um get with someone else is there ever an appropriate length of time well, Andy is in Bedford. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. Andy, thank you very much for, for speaking to me this morning. What's your story? Well, <clears throat> I was married for nine years. Uh, my wife, unfortunately, passed away. She'd been ill for quite some time in uh, spring of 2008. And I wasn't looking for another relationship after that. But in 2009, uh, I was introduced to someone through new mutual friends. We got on really well. And after about uh, eight months or so of, of knowing this, this lady, we started dating. Um, I, you know, the relationship didn't last as a romantic one, although that lady and I are still very close friends. So mm. I, I'd rather have my life as a friend than not have her in my life at all. Can I ask, Andy, how... Um what was the length of time from your wife passing to you dating this lady? I would say about 16 months. Okay. And I don't know if you've got family or, or friends. Did anybody kind of uh, raise an eyebrow and, you know, maybe suggest that perhaps that was inappropriate at all? No. Um, no one did. I mean, everybody was, uh, you know, quite happy mm. that I'd found someone. Everyone was quite happy that... Um, uh, I, I, you know, I was happy again through through meeting this this person, dating this person. Uh, everyone was very supportive. 
no one questioned it. No one said, oh, you know, it's a little soon. Um, and you're not with this lady anymore? No, that, that kind no. of, it, it didn't work out? No, not romantically, no. Did you, f- did you feel any guilt? I'll tell you why I asked that. I, I can't, I, I haven't got a similar story at all, but I went out with a girl for eight years, and we lived together and things, and then we split up. And the first time I brought, um, someone home, who's now my wife, there was no crossover, by the way, let me just make that clear, but the first time I brought someone home, I felt terribly guilty. Did you have any guilt? Just perhaps a little to start with. Mm. I was, I, looking back on it, I'm not sure whether it was guilt or just a kind of sensation of, well, this is very strange, being this emotionally close to someone after having lost, you know, a, a, a spouse. Mm. So, whether it was guilt or just the fact that I was I was readjusting, I honestly couldn't tell you. Do you have kids, Andy? No, I don't. Right, OK. Because I, I would imagine that perhaps... I don't know, it makes that situation slightly easier. I don't know, it's, it's hard to find the right language, isn't it? We're talking about this. Are, are you courting at the moment? Are you looking for a relationship? Would you like to be in a relationship? Well, oh, yeah, I'd like to be in a relationship, but currently at the moment I'm single, not particularly looking for a mm. relationship to happen. But then again, I wasn't, again, um, well, after my wife passed away, and I wasn't looking for a relationship when my wife and I met. Mm. If, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I think you're right. Andy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's Andy in Bedford there. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five, and I've said it before, and I shall no doubt say it again. It, it amazes me doing this job, uh, particularly here at BBC Three Counties Radio, how honest people are. And if, uh, it's great that people feel they can come on and tell their stories, and I'm, I'm genuinely uh, appreciative of that. Now we're talking about fostering. Would you ever consider fostering? Giving a child a better life? Well, Buckinghamshire County Council are in need of local families willing to foster. There are 390 children and young people currently in care waiting new families. Today, the council launched a new campaign called My Best Days to find more foster carers. Now, earlier on, um, I spoke to Dorian, and Dorian uh, told me uh, his story. Um, and it was fascinating, and it was uh, incredible to listen to. Well, Cabinet Member for Children's Services at Buckinghamshire County Council is Valerie Letheran. Good morning, Valerie. Good morning. Why do you think there is a lack of people wanting to become a foster carer in Bucks? I think people don't know enough about it and are nervous to learn more about it, so we're trying to make sure they do know about it. I'm sure there's lots of people in Buckinghamshire with a, a room to spare, with love in their hearts, who could make such a difference to some of these children who um, we need badly to be able to live in Buckinghamshire. It, it's more than that, though. You need more than a room and, and love. Yes, yes, you do. Because it need- can be, let's be honest, teenagers, they can be blooming hard work. Yeah, well, we do give training. Yeah. We give outstanding support and training to the foster care. What does the training involve? How does that work? Well, it's, it's, it's having the, we have foster care, and new foster carers come into groups. We explain to them what the issues are, what sort of things can happen. We do prefer, pre- do have a 24-7 support line. Right. We do have a good range of very experienced foster carers who will be there today when we do our launch in Ellsbury, who will talk to the existing foster, in the new possible foster carers, to explain to them what the issues can be and how to cope with them. Mm. So we do give very, very good support and there's lots of sort of peer support. The people that, that, that foster, do they tend to be parents already or, or, or are they people that don't have children? I, I, I'm trying yeah. to get my head around it. Well, we don't close our minds to anybody. Yeah. Anybody that, because these children so, you know, need a good home. Mm. Um, 
often they are parents already, and it's quite interesting how their own children, I was with a group on Saturday, quite accept these foster children that come to live with them, and mm. it's part of their lives. They often, uh, maybe their own children have left home. We don't have an age policy, mm. as long as you're fit and well enough. They may be single people. Um, they, we, we do um, have a, a, some gay couples who foster, and g- give just love to these children. We're calling this recruitment campaign My Best Days. Mm. And you really want it to be the best days. How important is it to have local carers for local children? Very much so. Um, I was talking to a group of foster children. We have quite a lot of little groups where they meet and talk together. Because only a foster child knows what another foster child feels. Mm. And talking to them, they said how, you know, they don't like being moved away. It's It's the worst thing in the world. It's a horrible thing to be taken away from your family and not be able to live with them. For no fault of your own, for whatever reason. And therefore... If you then you go away from where your background is, where you lived, and where you know where your school was, where you know that the different, especially with teenage children, um, it's even more traumatic. So they desperately want to stay wherever possible. Sometimes it's not possible because of the parents that are difficult. That that's why they're being removed from mm. home. But they 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 want to stay at home, and in fact. They do become friends with each other, and again, this is sad if they had to go to out-of-county out of foster care. And there are three little girls I spoke to on Saturday. We had a little group that we were talking about, how do you feel about being a foster child, what do you want for your foster thing? And they'd got to know each other, and it was lovely seeing their foster parents arranging how they could all meet again. Fantastic. And it was lovely, because they give each other such, inter- such support. Valerie, is there a website that people can go and find out more about this? Yes, if you go, if you go onto our Back Bucks um, website, you will find Foster Caring. And you can always ring us up on 01296 382555. And we have the helpline open, um, the, the line open until 9 o'clock. We will respond to you within 72 hours. Valerie, listen, best of luck. It's a very noble cause. Thank you very much. Um, there we go, that's Valerie Letherin, who is Cabinet Member for Children's Services at Buckinghamshire County Council. Talking about how soon is too soon to move on when you've lost a loved one, we've got Lynn in Hemel Hempstead. Good morning, Lynn. Hello there. Lynn, thanks for coming on. What, what happened to you? Well, basically, it might appall some people. Um, I got together with my late partner's best friend within a month. Hang on a second, your late partner's best friend, okay. So well, what, one of his best friends. Okay, so what, what happened with your partner? What happened was... Was, with, he, was he poorly? Was it a, a long, drawn-out? Well, out? we were together for 20 years, yeah. but we never actually lived together. I don't really know why. That's <laughs> a strange <laughs> I know, it's probably why we were together for 20 years. Yeah, it could be, yes. But, I mean, he was here every night, but basically, it was. I think a lot of it was just logistics. He lived in St Albans, I lived in Hemel. And you maintained that for 20 Hemel. years? That's incredible. Yeah. And I didn't drive, so right. it was just, it would have been a pain. Yeah. Yeah, and I was madly in love with him, totally in love with him. Absolutely. Um, and he was a very, very stubborn man. You couldn't tell him anything. Yeah. And he, I could see he was getting iller and iller. He was losing so much weight. And by the time I got him into hospital, finally, the day I got him into hospital, they said he could die today. Oh, dear. Oh dear. He was riddled with cancer. Oh, dear. And um, he refused to ever discuss it. It ended up, it took three months of me going to various hospitals. And I saw him every single day. Mm. 
I was still trying to hold down a full-time job, but the company I worked for were brilliant and said, come in if you want to. If you come in and after 10 minutes you can't cope, go home, no questions asked. So I did take quite a bit of time off, but I was with him. I was to go and sit with him for sort of yeah. 8, 10, 12 hours at a time. So then, sorry to move the story on slightly. I hope I don't sound yeah. insensitive, but he, 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 he was ill and he passed away. But how did you get with his one of his best friends a, a month later? What happened was during the three months he was dying, his best friend lived in Yorkshire. Mm. He was divorced, but his family home was in Brookman's Park. So he used to drive down every weekend to see his boys. And he always used to come and see me and occasionally gave me lifts to the hospital. But the first time I met him, he'd walked into the Lister in Stevenage. I'd only met him once 20 years before, didn't recognise him. He walked into the lister, walked over to Peter, his face lit up, and he held his hand, but held Peter's face in his hands and kissed him on the forehead, mm. and I fell in love with him. Wow. I just thought it was such a, an unmanly mm. and wonderful thing to do, and um, I just sort of fell for him. Lynn, listen, I, I could talk for ages about that fascinating story. We have to move on. Thank you very much. Lynn in Hemel Hempstead sharing her story there. It's 8.17. Let's get your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Clegg faces criticism for suggesting wealthy pensioners are stripped of universal benefits like free bus passes and winter fuel payments. A recruitment drive has been launched in a bid to find foster parents for 390 children in Buckinghamshire. In sport, two surprise defeats in the third round of the League Cup last night. Manchester City lost 4-2 at home to Aston Villa and Everton were beaten 2-1 by the Championship Club Leeds. And coming up, figures obtained by Three Counties Radio show a dramatic decline in the number of us paying into workplace pension schemes. Before 8.30, we'll talk pensions and find out why some of you aren't saving for your retirement. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah. Jonathan, you've cheered me up. I've been a little bit grumpy this morning. Oh, good. Oh, sorry? I can't, I can't have you feeling grumpy. I came in and I kicked all of the staff and uh, swore at them. I'm just, just, you know, sometimes you wake up, there's no reason for it. A bit tetchy. It. A little bit tetchy. I'm, I'm always tetchy. I've noticed. That's what makes your show such a good listen. <laughs> You're in a fa- I loved your show. When was it? Was it Monday you were doing the carrier bags? Yeah. Uh, oh. No, that was last week. Was Friday. that last week? Yeah. That was, you were in a foul mood then. Uh, well, people get on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> and then they phone up and talk to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> what delights have you got on the show this morning? Well, we're going to continue the, the discussion that you've been manfully uh, yes. uh, uh, creating. Thank I think you. That's, uh, it's true to say on your programme this morning. I'm asking, do wealthy pensioners deserve their benefits? No. Well, well, I know, don't. Of course I know don't. that. I know that. Uh, Nick Clegg has announced that the Liberal Democrats are exploring plans which could mean wealthy pensioners losing their universal benefits. Benefits like free bus passes, free TV licences and the winter fuel allowance. They get free TV licences as well? Y- yes. I did not know that. Oh, for goodness sakes. Uh, they're currently protected for all pensioners, but only until the next general election in 2015. The plans would mean those pensioners with a net worth of more than a million pounds would lose the benefits but do these plans make sense to you from nine this morning i want to hear from you do wealthy pensioners deserve their benefits can i just put to you please do i'm just uh, i just want to challenge a view that you have been uh, been sharing with people this morning i mean yes you're, you're saying that it's outrageous that people like for example alan sugar yeah dame judy dench yeah, these are pensioners receive their uh, their their benefits yes these are people that have put quite a lot of oh, money into the system. that argument doesn't that argument doesn't wash why not why not alan sugar 
He's a multi-millionaire. Does he need the £150 a year? How often does he, he get on a he bus? He doesn't need it, but does he deserve it? No. Why doesn't he deserve it? it should, the system sh- it should be means-tested. Uh, if you've got over, let's say, £70,000 in the bank, don't include the house, that doesn't count, uh, then the money... You, someone called in saying that they worked with a millionaire pensioner mm. uh, and they, the, the pensioner tried to return the £150 heating allowance they got and they couldn't. There's no mechanism. No, you give it to charity. If you want to, uh, if you want to help people with that money, then give the money to charity. But why? Why do you not deserve it? If you've if you've worked very hard, if you have been successful, yeah. if, for example, like Alan Sugar, you employ loads of people who all pay taxes, you pay loads of corporation tax for your business, yep. you contribute millions to the economy, then why do we turn around to people like that and say, oh yeah, but because you're so wealthy and because you're so successful, yep. you no longer deserve your little perk in retirement? Do you know what I'm looking at right now? What? I'm looking at what's wrong with this country. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, I'll be listening well, to your show we'll, with... We'll see what people think from nine. They'll agree with me. I may, ca- I may call in. <laughs> I'm, I'm really angry about okay, it. Thank right. you, Jonathan. Jonathan Vernon-Smith from nine o'clock. Always worth uh, a listen. Right. From midnight last night, one of the biggest campaigns against abortion began. It's worldwide, and people are standing uh, outside abortion clinics in 316 locations across the globe, 24 hours a day for 40 days, including the B-Pass abortion clinic clinic in Milton Keynes. Uh, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been there this morning. Uh, Justin, earlier on, there were, were two people there. Has anybody else mm. turned up? Uh, no, uh, s- still oh. just two people here, Ian. It's got to be said that uh, we were told by Bernadette earlier on that more protesters would be on the way from 8 o'clock. It's now, what, 8 24. They still haven't arrived. They are late. Uh, still, there are no banners. Still, there are no leaflets. I think anybody walking past would think it's two ladies who are waiting here for a, for a lift. I'm going to put one very brief question to Theresa Bryan, who's one of the two protesters. Theresa, I've got to be honest with you. What is the point in this? You, you look quite bored there right now. No banners, no leaflets. Nobody knows who you are or what you're actually protesting against. Uh, is there any point in you actually being here today? There is a point, but we're we're not here to protest. We're a peaceful presence, and we're here to pray. Now the numbers will vary from time to time during the days and the weeks, but the main thing is we are here to pray for an end to abortion, and also that mothers know there are choices, because abortion uh, abortion coarsens our life and reduces our humanity obviously damages family and damages our whole culture and our lives uh, so that's the main thing is to pray for the awareness of that in people's hearts okay thank you very much indeed for your time that's Theresa bryan who's who's outside mm. acorn house here midsummer boulevard in milton Keynes. as i say in still only two protesters here i'm telling you what i can see this morning it doesn't look like a protest whatsoever come back to me at about 10 to 9 and we'll see if uh, okay. the situation develops any further justin will speak to you later on thank you very much the thing that the that gets me there with what that lady was saying is I, th- I think that the women are going for the abortions they do know there are choices i don't think anybody okay let me rephrase i think very very few people uh, and i mean very few people take the choice of abortion lightly i'd imagine that there could possibly be one or two people who think oh, you know but i think it's a very very tiny percentage of people who would ever make that decision lightly and use it as a form of contraception anyway uh, talking pensions, uh, after Nick Clegg has uh, d- said that rich pensioners should not get benefits. Peter's in warmer green. Peter, do you agree with Nick Clegg? No, not at all. Why is that? Not at all, because there's, there has been so many attacks on pensioners yep. f- in various ways, in, insidious type attacks. Mm. I mean, 
people are now talking about bus passes. For old age pensioners, that's the biggest boon that's ever been, and you have to apply, so millionaires don't apply for them anyway. And, and furthermore, if you look at it, what's wrong if you're saying there's nothing wrong with that what about children's allowance allowances for people earning over thirty thousand you'd get a hundred times more money in if you did that so it's it's so insidious what's going on peter i agree uh, we get um children's allowance we don't need it we put it in the bank for the kids we don't need it but there is no function where you can return it yes of course that should be means tested as well i completely agree with you well but but it, 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 what, what is going on is so insidious it's a drip 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 attack on pensioners all the time peter do you think someone like alan sugar should be given a free tv license well, well you have mm, to apply Right. You I'm don't get it. Okay. So he probably doesn't get it. Okay. What about the heating allowance? The heating allowance. Uh, Sugar doesn't need that. No, no he, he lives doesn't. in a castle with he a. Doesn't he doesn't need have a that. But probably, but probably you don't either. Well, I don't get it. Um, no, I'm saying you don't need, uh, need your benefits. I don't get any benefits apart from the children's allowance, which I said well, we put in the bank a for benefit, the kids. I'm afraid. What? That's no, a benefit. I know, I know it's a benefit, and I said it if should you, be means if, tested. I'm, I'm quite happy not to receive it. Yeah, but I mean, even if you're out of work, you go you go to the labour exchange. That's benefit. Yeah, so, but I'm not out of work. I've got a job. <laughs> I know that, but at the same time, I'm just talking about general benefits. You are very, very unlikely not to be getting some sorts of benefits, right? And to keep continually attack pensioners which is what's been going on yeah. and and i i believe it's coming from the probably the ministry of communities i don't think it's coming from other places okay peter we, we could be entering the world of the conspiracy theory thank you peter D- dave in luton dave what do you make of all this good morning morning um that man oh, you've just been on the phone exactly right what? one you have to apply for it you don't automatically get it you have to apply for it and then you, you apply for your bus it. pass. Oh yes, you've got to apply for it first. I thought my I thought that you just got sent the bus pass. No, oh, no, okay. no, no, no. You have to go down, and they quali- uh, they ask you a few questions, and then you get it. Right. But what I'm ringing up about, yes, um, an MP on the news last night. I can't remember his name. Said he gets bus pass, and he also gets his two hundred pound heating allowance a year. Now, he said he's prepared to give it up, but my main query is, don't these MPs claim for travelling expenses? Right, of course. Right, if he's getting this £200 a year, yeah. I'm not getting it. Yeah, he is on about 78000 a year. Well, he, shouldn't get that, he shouldn't get that heating allowance then. No, but he does get it. But he, well, he shouldn't. Oh, That's what I'm saying, he, he shouldn't. The, the, the wealthy, this is what we're saying, that wealthy pensioners shouldn't get it. No, but Ian, he's an MP. He should turn round and say right from the beginning, no, I don't want the £200, but he's kept it and he's kept his mouth shut until last night. Okay. Now, this is terrible, even of an MP. So, Clegg should look at this man, and uh, and he admitted there's other MPs that's getting the travel allowance and the two hundred. Oh, but the travel, al- the travel allowance—that makes sense. You don't want you, our MPs have got to travel in style, so, no, they, no. Can do, so they can do work no. on the on the way to. They can work on a laptop and, and, no. and prepare for meetings. 
No, I'm not. I'm not talking about travel allowance. I'm you talking did. about the bus pass. Yeah, bus pass. Okay. They get bus passes. Okay. Well, listen. Thank you very much, uh, David. We're all getting a little bit confused here with what uh, benefits we're arguing about. <laughs> but thank you, Dave. I, I appreciate uh, your call and your points. Uh, 08 uh, 459 455 555 is the telephone number if you'd like to uh, give us a call. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. That's the number. Still time to call. Jonathan Vernon Smith is on at nine o'clock. I think I'm going to call him. He's got me angry. I might call up his show and rant at him. Uh, in the next half hour of the show, we're talking uh, Clegg, we're talking uh, the Wenlock Jug, and we're talking favourite children. Have you got one? Be honest. If you've got more than one kid or grandkids, have you got a favourite one? 08459 455 555. Now, good news. Every uh, one we're in... The, uh, good news, everyone. Sorry, I do apologise. I'm talking like <laughs> I've just woken up. Good news, everyone! We're in the worst squeezing living standards since the 1920s. That's according to a survey taken over the summer. It shows we're buying cheaper brands so we can buy more fuel. Well, our business reporter, Adam Kirtley, is here to tell us more. Good morning, Adam. Yeah, morning, sir. Uh, give us a bit of background to our changing food-buying habits. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the fuel. That's a very important one. It's obviously very expensive to fill up your car. Something else has to give. But there have been quite a few surveys saying that we're cutting back on food, uh, cutting back on the type of food we buy even where we shop and it's because living standards are so squeezed at the moment that we're having to save money does it show that we're fickle when it comes to the environment we're ditching organic well as soon as the pennies get a bit tight we are ditching organic uh organic food sales have been falling for a few years and they fell 3.7 percent last year the number of organic producers is dropping as well that's down by four percent uh maybe fickle's a wee bit unkind if you haven't got the money you haven't got the money maybe pragmatic is fair Mm. um and we are you know we are certainly there are two or three things going on here really firstly many of us are buying own supermarket own brands rather than you know your kellogg's and your mcvitties and, and yep. whatnot um because they're cheaper uh, secondly we are buying value brands and even waitrose which is seen as being a posh shop uh, even it is vastly expanding its value range as we trade down and the third thing we're doing is um trading down in the whole supermarket thing so we're doing the aldi and Lidl thing rather than the tesco and sainsbury's so what does this survey suggest it suggests that we're being very, very careful. Um, it looks... Uh, it, it, it's a website called Can I Eat It? Uh, which is Ooh, quite a good name. Yes. And uh, it's looking at whether actually you are buying decent stuff. And it looks at the cheaper end, and it says, actually, um, things like... Al- although, um, say, with Aldi, they're fresh veg and fruit is a little bit variable their pre-packed meats for example their biscuits their chocolates are excellent and as good as anywhere else Mm. so it's looking at what people are buying and comparing the shopping experience in the supermarket what sort of things are as good at the cheap end own brands valley brands that sort of thing i guess well um if you look at morrison's for example which is seen as as lower middle if you like i suppose uh, it's fresh fish is particularly uh good the co-op has had some uh, quality problems in recent years that's much 
much much better and things like uh, aldi uh, now the thing about aldi is and and little they don't take credit cards it's pile them high sell them cheap mm. however and they don't have a customer service desk which if you can't find anything is a bit of a bind or, or you want to get a refund i've never been in an aldi or little i've, I've no Not idea I. what they're like no. no i have no idea either but they are cheap um but they for example just to pluck aldi say their jam is apparently excellent uh <laughs> well that's good to know so, yeah now whether you go into aldi just to buy your jam and i don't know but um also uh nutritional labels in the cheaper ones are seen as being very very good sainsbury's actually gets pilloried for not having very good labeling uh so it, it, it's quite a good thing of comparing what you get but i think the important thing to remember as well is you can shop outside supermarkets mm. as well you know you have market stalls you have farmers markets farmers markets are well expensive they're not, you know. Oh, Adam, they are. They cost a well, Take your... Get a mortgage if you go to the farmer's market to buy some cheese. Oh, well, that's because it's posh cheese. Yeah. But but if you shop around... Now, let me just give you a bit of anecdotal stuff here. We get our chicken. Uh, we get free-range, not organic. We get free-range chicken because we want to think the chickens had a happy life now two chicken breasts free range in our farmer's market stall is about three pounds sixty for two big chicken breasts the yep. same free range chicken breasts in fact they're smaller often in the supermarket or at least five six well quid. there you go adam we've got to move on thank you very much adam kirtley there i've never seen anything cheap at a farmer's market uh, and also organic food that's got to be the biggest con ever hasn't it Come on now, come on. You want me to pay, what, an extra £1.50 for a packet of potatoes because they're organic? Get out of here. I'm not falling I'm not falling for that one. I'm not as green as I'm cabbage looking. Right. 08459 555 uh, is the phone number. We've got Lynn in Hazelmere. Lynn, we're talking about Nick Clegg, and his, he suggests that wealthier pensioners should not get the same benefits as other be- uh, pensioners. It makes sense, doesn't it? Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Lynn. No, not really, because oh. um, you might have uh, a wealthy pensioner on paper, say, living in a big house. Yes. Quite frail, um, not affording to eat, yeah. but afraid to sell their house for whatever reason. Um, so I think you've got to be very careful. And I think there are other ways that we can save money. You know, uh, at the moment, I think the government's like noddy and big ears running the country. Yeah. I don't trust them. I think they're a bunch of idiots. And um, I think there's savings can be made in lots of other places. How would you, how would you make savings, uh, Lynn? Well, for instance, I think there's a lot of very wealthy people that are working that don't need the child um, benefit. I completely agree with you on that, that yes. That is one thing that, that could be saved, and yep. there's a lot more of those, I think, than there are poor old pensioners. But then and surely I, that should be the same. If, 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 if you means test, and I totally agree with you, that the, chil- the, the child benefit uh, should be means tested. If you earn over a certain amount, you don't get it. That's fair enough. But then surely the same thing should apply to pensioners. And you're right. You, you, I don't think you can judge wealth by the value of a property. It should be on capital. And if a pensioner has a certain amount of capital, they shouldn't get the free TV licence. They shouldn't get the bus pass. They shouldn't get the heating allowance that makes sense that's fair isn't it yeah it does but what it also does it frightens all the other pensioners you know because Why? they're really pinched at the moment yeah pensioners and i Pinch think pensioners. they are yeah no, they are along agree. with the rest of us you know and i think it's it's hard for them um you know especially talk about taking their you know bus pass and things but, and, but, but this uh, is that it would only be taken from those <laughs> who've got a certain amount of money in the bank yes but having said that that might be their only way of getting out of their house. But they can afford... But the reason that they will be taken away is because they could afford to get the bus. Yeah, but you still have to be very careful how you do it. Um, you, you can't just do a sweeping statement across the board and say, right, this lot can't have it, but this lot can. OK, Lynn, thank you very much. I'm just moving on. Someone to speak to Brian in Letchworth. Good morning, Brian. Morning, Ian. Well, 
I'm uh, referencing Nick Clegg and his and f- and it, what he's just come out with. Yes. I'm a retired railway station supervisor. Fantastic. And uh, I'd like to point out to you and everybody else out there: is the public aware that MPs get free rail, first-class rail travel for themselves and their wives and dependents, the children up to the age of, up to the age of, uh, of 18? But they're careful to keep that keep that very very quiet. I, w- I worked in a booking office on the on mm. a big East Coast mainline station for many years, and I dealt with a num- n- number of, of MPs. MPs, which is beside the beside the, the board, and reference uh, wealthy pensioners. Yeah. I, I paid into my occupational pension for 31 years. Yeah. Does that make me a wealthy pensioner? How are they going to define it? Seventy thousand pounds in the bank. That, that, there we go. That's wealthy. Anything above that, and you're wealthy. I wish. I wish. I wish I was remo- remotely well, near. Then you near wouldn't that. have your benefits taken away. But also going back to the MPs getting first class travel. Of yeah. course they should. They're quite often they have to. They're travelling all over the country. They're, they're going to meet people. They're going to London. They need to be able to sit in an environment where they're safe and where they can get their laptop out and they can do work. They can get briefed for meetings. Of course they need to travel first class. That makes sense. But but with with the salary that we are paying them, yeah. they should they should. They should also quote pay that pay their way right thank you very much uh, barry's in hemel good morning barry oh no you're there hello barry yeah, sorry hello. hello yes you've got me yeah i've got you now it's my fault what can i do for you sir yeah. well i'd like to sort of talk about this wealthy pensioner thing as well yes um first of all i think you've been talking a load of rot and i know you've got the button and you can fade me because i disagree with you no, uh, listen we've uh, one thing I, I i don't do at all barry is if someone disagrees with me i'm more than happy to engage them i never cut someone off just because they don't uh, d- d- see sense yeah well how old is um alan sugar um, I'm going to guess 68. 68. How old is it before you get the free television licence? 75. Yes. yes. So Alan Sugar getting the free television licence that you've been talking about first okay. is a load of well, But he's not going to lose that fortune in the next seven years. So in seven years' time, he shouldn't get a TV licence. Of course he shouldn't. That's ridiculous. Well, you know, that's your opinion. Well, no, it's maybe. ridiculous. He's a multi-millionaire, Barry. Why should, we, why should I give him a free TV licence? Because he is paying into a system which is feeding thousands and thousands of sponges in this country, which all pensioners have done all their lives. Pensioners get a state pension which is lower than the poverty level. Um, £440 a month for a pensioner, which is £110 a week on, on, on pension. Now, I'm 77 and I have to still work because I'm a pensioner. Mm. Um, basically, and I couldn't exist. My rent is more than the actual state pension. But Barry, I'm not saying, and I don't think Nick Clegg is saying, that you should have your heating allowance... Uh, and your bus pass and your TV licence should taken away. You should you you would still get them. Yes, but how many people is he going to have to employ, and how much is it going to cost to take that benefit away from people who are a bit better off than I am? Um, it's it's going to cost him more in administration, which is what the government wants to do. I think is provide jobs for the boys uh, than it's going to gain him in what he's saving. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, and very quickly, let's go to Kate John from Stockwood Discovery Centre. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. You can talk to us very quickly about the, the Wenlock jug. Yes. <laughs> What's happened? Um, what happened? Have you dropped it? Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. Um, it's been found, which is tremendous news, um, after a thorough police investigation. It's definitely the Wenlock jug. It is definitely the okay. Wenlock jug, okay. yes. Um, they... they um, uh, discovered our historical treasure in the early hours of Monday morning mm. um, at a property in Surrey. And um, uh, so, yeah, there's an ongoing police inquiry, so we can't really say too much about that. Okay. Um, but uh, two people have been arrested at the location. Yes. And um, 
One's been charged with handling stolen property and the second's been rela- released on police bail pending further inquiries. But more exciting to us, you know, it's back in the hands of the museum, so that's brilliant. Kate, we've got 30 seconds. I'm sorry to rush you. Why is the jug so important to you? Well, it's just enormous historical significance to the Luton area, really. It's one of only three similar jugs in the UK. It bears the earliest maker's mark of those three. It's as early as 1400 AD. And it's just a treasure that the local people have been enjoying for a few years. And it's just tremendous to have it back. Kate, John from the Stockwood Discovery Centre. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And congratulations. Oh, that was a good 15 minutes. I can breathe again now while we get the travel from Sophie. Sophie Tyler, uh, BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, that's where we are, Sophie. Thank you very much. It's 8.46. These are your headlines on Wednesday, the 26th of September. Nick Clegg is suggesting tackling the deficit by stripping uh, wealthy pensioners of universal benefits like free bus passes and winter fuel payments before the next general election. Buckinghamshire County Council are launching a new campaign to recruit 390 foster carers. In sport, Milton Keynes dons are out of the League Cup after losing 2-0 to Sunderland at Stadium MK. The weather, we're in for some slow-moving heavy showers, perhaps thundery. And coming up, is it bad to favour one child over the other? Before 9am, we'll speak to a psychologist from Hertfordshire specialising in child development. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we've been talking about pensions this morning and we thought it would probably be best to get the advice uh, of uh, a pension expert. Better off pensioners should be stripped of their taxpayer-funded benefits, says Nick Clegg. Um, Rory Joseph is a financial expert from Hertfordshire-based JLM Independent Wealth Management. Rory, what do you think about what Clegg says about better off pensioners losing some of their benefits? It seems logical. It's probably kind of a populist thing to say. I would imagine there's more voters who aren't in the boat that Clegg's intending to take benefits away from than are. It's not that populist amongst my listeners. (laughs) They've turned. I think the problem is that pensions are feeling very hard done by. You Mm. know, they're being hit by... government policies kind of as diverse as quantitative easing which is messing up how much they're able to buy with their pension mm-hmm. money um right through to feeling that they're being taxed and they're kind of the invisible gray voice really. i have a pension it's been a quiet year paid nothing into it this year but years ago i interviewed duncan bannertine from dragon's den and i said duncan should i get a pension he said no put all your pay off your mortgage put all your money into paying off your mortgage is that sensible or was, was he trying to trick me <laughs> i don't think he was trying to trick you i think the problem about these sort of things is you uh, you need to do a bit of everything right which is kind of not terribly helpful to anyone because no. says, give me some advice what should i do and you say a bit of everything yeah but actually having a mortgage is a bad thing you're paying lots of interest on it and you can guarantee that you will pay interest on it mm. the problem is you can't guarantee you're going to make money out of what you put into your pension we have heard stories from people who paid into their pensions and and have, have not made back what they paid in absolutely yeah and there's a big problem at the moment with very small old pensions where people have say got a f- thousand or two in it and over a 10 or 15 year period it doesn't grow at all mm. and actually it disappears what advice have you got then what should what should we be doing let's say i'm in my mid-30s say let's say i'm in my <laughs> mid-30s what should i be doing you should be putting something into a pension yeah it doesn't matter 
particularly how much it is in an ideal world what you do is you start your pension when you're 20 you probably finish it by the time you're 40 and then you concentrate on the rest of life and you know a 20 year old is not going to do that absolutely absolutely right so it's kind of you know i'm just wasting air really (laughs) that's what people should be doing i'm doing that every morning (laughs) i waste air we're potentially sitting on a time bomb though because people are, are, are living longer and they're not planning for the future so in 20 30 years Everyone's going to be stuffed, aren't they? Yes. In a nutshell, you're quite right. And the problem is, you talk to the majority of people, and they say, well, it's fine. I bought this house for, you know, tuppence halfpenny, mm. and it'll be worth £4 million when I retire, and that's where my I'll support my life. Mm. Um, the problem is it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking into a fairly bleak future. Hey, what about Nick Ross buying a house for £900,000? He sold it for £34 million the other day. Well, you know, he, he's obviously picked up a few tricks, hasn't he? <laughs> Very quickly, we, we see adverts on TV about equity release in your house. How does that work, and is that a safe way forward? It is a safe way forward as long as... It depends on a different... There's two different schemes, equity release mortgages, and we do those. The difficulty is, effectively, you're spending your children's inheritance now you might say well actually it's my money so i can spend it however i want but some people have got a real problem with it rory i'm sorry it's so brief but we have to move on thank you very much rory joseph financial expert from hertfordshire based jlm independent wealth management uh thank you very much now cramming a lot in in this last 15 minutes and boy oh boy we will squeeze all this in a father has admitted on a parenting website that he prefers one of his children the ridiculously named buzz bishop from canada wrote an article called admit it you've got a favorite kid i do now do you prefer one of your children or do you just think this is the most ridiculous thing that anyone can say uh, well amanda gummer is a psychologist from hertfordshire specializing in child development now I- i'll be honest amanda and i've said this frequently i've never had this conversation with my sister but i was my mum's favorite and it was quite obvious in as much as an obvious example my sister was older than me when she learned to drive she wasn't allowed to borrow mum's car as soon as i passed my driving test i got it so can that have an effect on the child that isn't the favorite it has an effect on both children right um yeah the the effect on the child who feels left out um or overlooked is that it can ruin their self-esteem and it can help um they can have confidence issues Mm. and um and feelings of self-worth and everything so there's there's that issue but actually um the thing that people don't notice is the effect it has on the favorite child as well and especially a sensitive um child who's being favorited and being cosseted Mm. either the baby the family or um you know the eldest child because the grandparents are doting on them or whatever they um are put under an awful lot of pressure to please Mm. Um, and they feel that their parents and grandparents' happiness is dependent on them conforming and, and, and living up that. to those expectations. That makes the, 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 you, we, we should have a little session later on. Are you free for an hour this <laughs> afternoon? I think there's some stuff I could talk to you. Well, is it common for the parents to have a favourite child? I think it's more in the perception of the child. Right. And that's where parents... It's, it's, parents would relate more to one child than another quite naturally because maybe the dad and the the son play football together Mm. and they've got common interests or the mum and the son have more personality traits in common so that's that's very natural and to relate to a child more and have more in common with them doesn't mean that they're the favorite Mm. and so if you ask the parents most parents would say they're different they wind me up on different days in different ways but i wouldn't would never have sophie's choice and could never choose between them Mm. Um, and the thing is, 
to cr- communicate that message to the children so that they're both loved, they're both safe, they're both respected for who they are. And if you've got co- um, hobbies in common with one child rather than the other, to just make sure that the other child feels accepted and that they're getting the support for their hobbies, mm. even if the parents don't share the same interests. So it's about acceptance and, and feeling loved for who you are rather than being forced into a mould. It's interesting, you're right, it is about how you relate. I've got two boys, I've got a, a, a baby who's eight months and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and I was, I was asked this question yesterday, do I have a favourite? I don't have a favourite, but obviously I um, interact more with the older child because you can talk, you can communicate, yeah. you can have conversations, I can play trains with him. And the baby, I love him, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a different relationship at the moment. Yeah, but if there was a fire, you would bet that the older one would be more self-sufficient and you would possibly rescue the baby first but that doesn't mean you don't love the older one yes it's, it's a question of giving them what they need when they need and making sure they feel loved we have a call keep your headphones on because uh, we've got uh, um april in luton good morning april good morning april what, what's your take on this um favoritism is one of the reasons why i only have one child it was one of my conscious decisions actually really mm. so was- as, a, as i was growing up because i was the eldest I was my grandparents' favourite. I was my dad's favourite. Yeah. Then my parents got divorced. They got remarried. They were stepbrothers, stepsisters, half-sisters. I became this little voice in the sea of other voices, and I lost my favouritism status. Wow. And I decided that, actually, I didn't know if I, when I grew up and had children, I could choose. Because you must, when you're a parent and you've got lots of children, mm. there must be a point where you have to choose who you give your attention to. Yeah. And I never wanted to be in a situation where I had to choose... So I made a conscious decision, one child. April, thanks to say that. that that's, that's a, a big lifestyle choice. That is a big it, lifestyle choice. And I'm sure there are lots of parents who've got um, more than one child who would say that they don't have a favourite and they are able to um, meet the needs of all their children sort of equally and with the, an equal amount of love. So I don't think it's an automatic, if you have children, you have to have a favourite. I don't mm. think that's, that's It was uh, When we, our second baby was, was coming, I was nervous because you, you, you just think, how can I love someone as much as I love this boy that I've got here? How can I love someone equally as much yeah. as that? And it was, and my wife and I discussed this quite openly, going, well, what, what, what if we don't love him as much? <laughs> but as soon as he came out, as soon as, he, as this baby was in the room with us, that kind of went away. And it's like, yeah. well, of course we love them equally. Yes. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a common fear with expecting parents. So it's not something that you need to feel bad about. And it's just about trying to make sure that children don't... The other thing to prevent is to count. Mm. If you try and treat them equally as identical and, and make that equality um, identical. So if you give something to one, you give it to the other. They start counting. Mm. And that's when you get the feelings of, well, she had that, I didn't get that. And that's, that's where one feels hard done by. So Amanda, thank you very much. Speaking of identical, how weird is it when parents dress identical? twins in the same clothes that's got to screw you up hasn't it that can't be good we'll talk about that another day perhaps that's amanda gummer thank you very much psychologist from hertfordshire specializing in child development i told you we had a lot to cram in in the last 15 minutes um we were talking earlier on about uh, the uh, anti-abortion campaign that started at midnight last night protests all around the world including the bpas abortion clinic in milton Keynes. Uh, our reporter justin dealey has been there uh, this morning justin what's happening now well earlier of course that uh, we spoke to two protesters Bernadette and Theresa. They were here from 6.30 this morning. They're travelled yep. from Letchworth. No banners, no leaflets. You wouldn't even know what they were doing here. Well, around 10 minutes ago, I spoke to Tina Gray, who's the unit manager here. Um, at this point, you wouldn't realise they were here. Obviously, the immediately outside this door is private property, so we would request that they don't stand here. And they're quite within their rights to stand on the pavement and make a silent protest, and that's their, their right to do that. As I said, the main thing is that we don't want that to interfere with our clients coming into the clinic today. And at this moment in time it's not, is it? It's not interfering with our clients at the moment, not at all. 
However, we don't know what the day is going to bring. So, we'll so the words there are Tina Gray. She's mm. the unit manager here at the abortion clinic in Milton Keynes. So this, of course, is going on for 40 days, Ian. And we thought, well, could they sustain this? I can tell you right now that Bernadette and Teresa have left. They were expecting... Sorry? Yes, they've left. We were expecting more protesters at 8 o'clock this morning to turn up. They have not turned up. So at this moment in time, outside the clinic here in Milton Keynes, there is not one protester. Well, uh, are they coming back? Maybe they've just gone for coffee or a McMuffin or something. What's yeah, but this protest, Ian, as we were told extensively yeah. yesterday, was 24 hours oh a day, seven days a week for 40 days. Mm. As I look right now, there There's is nothing. not one person here. Well, Justin, I was going to suggest we send you out in a week's time to see what's mm. going on, but it, it would appear that perhaps there's no point. But I think we'll do that. Maybe next week, Justin, if you're around, we can send you out, just have a little look and, and, and see if, if there's been any change. Yes, I, I don't think there will be. I mean, if okay. they started at midnight last night and they yeah. failed at two minutes to nine, are they going to be here in a week? Well, only time will tell. Justin, listen, excellent work. Thank you very much. Justin has played a blinder this morning. He's done some superb uh, reports for us, and I, I'm a, a huge fan of his. Thank you very much. Uh, right, don't forget that uh, Jonathan Vernon-Smith is coming up next, carrying on the argument. I'm really tempted to phone him up today. He's really, when he came in, he really wound me up with his nonsense views. Of course, people like Alan Sugar shouldn't get bus passes and heating allowances. It's, it's this ridiculous thing to do. Every Monday to- oh, sorry, let's go. Uh, we could discuss this a bit further. Very quickly, earlier on in the show, we spoke to Dorian, who's 16-year-old, he's in foster care. He told an amazing story. If you want to hear it, uh, follow at BBC3CR or find the 3CR page uh, on Facebook. Jonathan Vernon-Smith up next. I'll be back tomorrow at six. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.